looking better than ever in the mind's eternal eye of understanding with that classic chaos emerald's voice. In the eternal tapestry of time, we are woven into the 57th chapter of our quest, episode 0057 of season five, a two-parter that's been baptized by a bit of trial, a bit of error, and an overflow of passion, much like life itself. Through the looking glass of the sublime Alejandro Jodorowsky's masterpiece, The Holy Mountain, we venture into a labyrinth of symbols, metaphors, and meanings, making for an odyssey like no other. For just as the film unravels, we too shall dissect, deliberate, and dive deep into the intricacies of the themes embedded in its fantastical narrative, shedding light on the maestro's philosophies that seep through every frame. Today we straddle the razor's edge between reality and illusion, projection and action, observer and participant. We explore the contours of leadership and the footprints of examples left behind in the sands of time. We wade through the tides of humanity's inherent selfish desires, contemplating if escape is an act of intention or a mere consequence of circumstance. In the guise of drag, we find that it transcends the flamboyance of stagecraft and seeps into the everyday. Our very own Brian learns to don the mask of executive realness, exploring the chameleon-like ability to embody the reflection the world perceives. We recognize, my friends, that sometimes the grandest of performances lies in the mundane act of being. And in true verite spirit, just as the film turns the lens back on the audience, so shall we. It's an episode that stands as a mirror held up to you, dear listener, asking questions that might make you squirm in discomfort or sigh in recognition. We'll ask why you tune in, what you take away, and perhaps what you leave behind. Today's episode may not shimmer with the usual humor, but it's a journey forged in sincerity and heart. So, grab your seat, sit back, and brace yourself as we navigate through the terra incognita of the holy mountain and beyond. After all, we're all just travelers in the cosmic journey of life, yearning for the truth, wisdom, and perhaps a little bit of chaos emerald magic. Welcome, dear listeners, to a journey that's less about the destination and more about what we discover along the way.
want gold? Yes. Mountain Mama cooks. Oh, okay. Because it's basically the same thing. She's right. like, I'm a baker and I want to make biscuits, but I live at 8,500 feet. <laughs> There's actually a city I just found that was as high as Santa Fe um, that I didn't expect at all. And I think it was. Are you seeing this right now? My phone just switched over to my photo roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, blender, blender, the blender. The blender started playing. <laughs> Because I plugged my phone in. Okay, here we go. That should be the video you have in the background. <laughs> like, you need to take an off-center video of the blender so you have, like... See, because now you have to think in Zoom I can, framing. I, let me see. If I can, see? Yeah. See, this... So, this, when, when I go out places mm -hmm. now... So, like, my camera roll is full of all of these Zoom backgrounds I haven't uploaded yet. I should actually do that. Let me would, put them in a faves album. I'm going to sit here and do that. Movies or photos? Let's see. I'm going to be at the top. Yeah, this one. This one minute. Did I take really take like a one minute? I was having fun yesterday with my mm -hmm. new blender. And I got a... Yeah, there's my video of my pool robot too. But Okay, come on. A pool robot. Yeah, that's great. This pool robot... Oh, um... <laughs> I think you might have seen my, uh... Uh, what's it called? Uh, the the picture I took of my robo vacuum. Oh yeah, I because, saw. <laughs> because I, I I drew a little butler outfit on robo vacuum, and he has a little boot mirror. So I highly suggest doing. I'm gonna start doing that to all of our appliances. Yeah, I like that. I really like the idea of like customizing your appliances. Like I was thinking about it since we talked about that shirt. Um, but like, I, I love the idea of just, yeah, using like a Sharpie, silver Sharpie and just going around, just kind of like decorating stuff. Even like, I think that's fun. Like, you know, I did that with my oh. wall across the way here, that mirror wall with my, markers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that shit's cool. And like, um, cause I, I, at, at the office, I, I put that blue painter's tape around our paper shredder in decorative manners. So our paper shredder now looks like R2D2. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's very, I like that. He buzzes at us and then he goes <laughs> beep when he's done. We're like, cool, thanks, R2. I was really good at uh, getting it to go until it would reverse. I would put way too much stuff in there almost every single time, like 10 years in that office, and I would do it almost every time. We need to remake office, uh, office space for modern technology. It's not the printer anymore, really. Yeah, yeah. What would we... Do we have to wait a couple more years until we like start office workers start beating up the AI core that lives in their office? Yeah, like <laughs> fuck you, you're stealing my job, my awful job. I hate. <laughs> okay. Oh lordy. 
So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have... Um, I, I really did take 15 pages of notes, which I have consolidated down to 10 um, of that movie. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about it 10 pages worth, but uh, I wrote down a lot of unrelated ideas to the film as I was watching. Mm-hmm. And, um, let me turn this off real quick. This uh, thing here. We should watch a clip. Yes. We should watch actually the last. The clip. last. Yeah. I um, let me find this button that I was just pressing to. I press this again, then it'll go away. Okay. So these are my notes. I have, uh, they're actually pretty well organized too, which is unlike me. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I actually wrote down. That's really funny that like my teacher <laughs> mentality is like making us all better students. <laughs> no, it, it truly is. Cause I notes. feel, I feel like when I come and I like seen something and I have all these feelings like this much worth of feelings about you know, three episodes of Vanderpump or whatever. Like, I get here, and then I forget everything that I wanted to talk about, even though I was yep. like, okay, in my mind, I was like, okay, in I need to make moment, a point about yep. walk, talking about this, talking about this. So this time, I just went ahead and wrote it all down. Now, I also... I want to get better about journaling. That's, like, one of my, like, New Year's resolutions. I used to be incredibly good. I've gone through fits and bursts of being better and worse, but I think I want to try being better at it again. Yeah, I... I um. I bought these legal pads for a reason. That was what mm-hmm. I bought them for, was to write mm-hmm. down all my thoughts. So, mm-hmm. uh, started with movies. So let's see if I can keep it going. <laughs> I had to watch the a movie. O- the, the OG analog letterboxed, if you will. Yeah, that's literally what this is. If I typed this all up, it would be my review of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take me quite a while, but. Um, <laughs> so I guess I guess let me, yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to, like, officially start recording as a podcast, or? Yeah. Okay. Let's kick this fucker off. Then we did it. We've done it. We've recorded, we've started recording a podcast. Um, hello, everyone. I'm, I'm drinking some coffee, and Kathy is here. Hello, Kathy. Drinking some coffee. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good morning. Mine's been cold and blended. Mine is, uh, room temperature with some cream in it which is exactly how i like it let me mm. tell you it's good to know. um the uh i don't i like well be, see because it's all it's all temperature dependent right so like if i were in your climate where it is hot as fuck right now mm. blended iced mm-hmm. or simply iced um any of those are are delightful do like absolutely 100 percent. hot coffee room temperature coffee would be a big thumbs down in that climate right but (laughs) here right now in this moment in santa fe where it rained last night Mm -hmm. um is a cool 81 outside Uh, i could i only have the vent going because it's a little humid both in and out i could actually probably change the swamp cooler because that's what is popular here in New Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of the uh, the swamp cooler, aka the hum- some people yeah. call it humidifier. Yeah. So we have the swamp cooler for folks who don't know what that is, because I didn't know what one was, because yeah. we don't have them in California. In I'm surprised California, actually, because it is there yeah. is somewhat of a similar dryness that that's what makes it effective. Hmm. Um, I've never seen anything in California uh, that is. That isn't central air, or that isn't 
that huh. doesn't have uh like uh you know the air conditioning unit in the fucking wall right That's or funny. sometimes simply nothing right okay. sometimes yeah. just a lot of times just like open the windows put a screen in there you're fine like what's the problem like if you get a good cross breeze going like it's usually generally temperate enough that like i don't think i ever really used air conditioning at home like at all ever but it's because it wasn't like it was so uncomfortable there were days when it was uncomfortably hot and then that was when my parents would put on the like the the like wall unit or whatever you know I'd be, okay it's hot today like but yeah. it, but like back then i guess when i was growing up i don't remember that happening with a lot of frequency during the summer and i would feel like most of the time my parents would be like no we're not going to turn on the air conditioner just go outside you're a kid yeah. sit in the shade play with your fucking toys or something or yeah uh, we had a pool so they could also be like just go in the pool and then sit in the shade and read or like because that, that was usually what i did um so like i don't really remember using the air conditioner unit that we had in our home very often yeah. we did also in a, like eventually as like in one of my older like as i got older did actually have like central air but kind of the same thing my parents very rarely turned it on because it just didn't ever really get that hot for them in southern california they were just just open the window it's fine and right. it was yeah that's interesting because like uh here too like i remember growing up we used the air conditioning a lot less and we were more comfortable with like the heat i think just acclimatized like during the day we would open all the windows and just let everything open and then at night we would turn the ac on but like and now i kind of do that here sometimes but um even when it was like super super hot yeah you stay in the shade stay in the inside of the house but still like a breeze blowing through and that like mm -hmm. kept it okay um in santa fe though i definitely had yeah a, a swamp cooler and i had i got one it was it was pumping out moisture and could feel that it was like the nicest feeling when you'd come home and you'd kick that thing on and like the house would go from like dry to cool but you got to open a couple windows i learned that if you yep. <laughs> unless yeah. you're gonna get mold in your house you have to have yeah. a cross yeah. breeze to make this effective yeah, yeah. <clears throat> really fucked also uh it's very easy to overfill the water supply in this <laughs> did that like 15 times left the mm -hmm. uh little hose coming out of the sink in there and flooded the house oh no oh yeah <laughs> i lived oh, in no. a well, you well, I, 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 I luckily, well, I do know how to use and operate it. Like, I, I live in a place that, like, the, the, like, the maintenance folks, the people that live here, like, yeah. the people, like, the management company. Thank you. That's the word I was thinking of. Mm. They're the ones who worry about it. So, like, right. I don't okay. worry about it. They just, like, hey, they, they just warn us that, like, hey, we're going to be coming through sometime this week, FYI. Like, and they're a little more specific than that right but they kind of like they do warn us that like hey you're probably going to be hit during the first weekend of may or something you know they and then it's like okay so i'll be expecting you sometime around then i'll either just leave leave you know because they're the management company so i don't worry about anything i just am told you can use it now and i go great and then i turn it on then. <laughs> yeah and then when winter comes, they go, hey, don't use it anymore. And I go, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. They used to come I wasn't in... <laughs> using it anyway, but that makes sense. Thanks they they never turn the heat off in Santa Fe because it's like any old day can become like cold. Or at least mm -hmm. they didn't turn it off for us. I remember the in, the we had that both places I live had the or mm -hmm. all three places had the in-floor heating, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which was That's I think awesome. supposed to be pretty energy efficient, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it's just, and um, actually, our, it's just your hot water supply for the house, too. So it's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. We have, uh, in, in, in these units, it's all electric. So oh. we have electric heaters. So, yeah, same thing. I could turn them on whenever I needed to. Um, I'm I actually, and we have a little fireplace, so like it's even better because when it is chilly, I can just do that. Yeah, like yeah, you have like a kiva, right? Like a, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's I mean, I, I wouldn't do it right now because it's summertime and that's fire season, right? Yeah. So like that's that's the difference. I mm -hmm. think that like in the winter, I don't have to like, worry about it though. Like fires all day long, basically, you know. Yeah. But yeah, heat. Yeah, climate. Yeah, fucking climate. wild, man. It's uh, it's 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 wild. I, I like to talking think it's about it so much. I like talking about it because um, I guess what I was getting at when I was talking about what I was talking about before is just the reality of how much, even just in my lifetime, I've become intolerant of the outside climate, and it's only changed supposedly in this time. You know, an average mm -hmm. of about a degree and a half centigrade, which you know in our lifetime i guess which is significant and you know it's a problem and mm -hmm. everything but like if you're just thinking about like my comfort level in just existing in the outside world like outside space yeah. it's funny to think like i you know i can go lay in the sun all day um mm -hmm. but most other i know like i can't get anyone else to do that with me i don't know what it is about my body if i've just been doing it my whole life or whatever but um like i can forget to drink water out there all day and, and still be mm. fine i don't know Hmm. Um, in California, I could sit out on the beach for hours, 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 yeah. um, without hmm. an umbrella, even. Um, I would just uh, periodically, I'd use sunscreen mm -hmm. if I was going to be there for a long time, because that's just wise. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wanted to tan a little bit, and so I would like, um, I don't know, just not reapply it felt okay like that was like okay now i'm a little browner like i but i always spent a lot of time out in the sun didn't really matter i guess um and then i always had a wetsuit when i was in the water so i wasn't yeah. exposed to sun when i was out there um and uh, at least again once i'm older um but uh out here like the the only time i ever sunburnt in southern california i was like i actually was exhausted and I took a nap on the beach, which is a bad idea because like, because I also was like, I hadn't any plans to go in the water. Exactly. I had plans to do like, just hang out. I was going to go and read and like spend some time, maybe go dip a toe and then like go sit back, have a lunch or something. And like just spend the afternoon or a little chunk of time at the beach, but I hadn't really intended to go into the water. And I say that because that's why I went alone. Because if I have plans to go into the water, and we've spoken about water safety, yes. if I actually have plans to bring my wetsuit and get into the water, I am always <laughs> bringing someone with me. Yeah. I'm always making sure I have literally a spotter because I'm just um, an anxious sort and I wouldn't otherwise get well, into the water. I would say this. In the Keys, I always wore a skin. Because you never know when there's going to be, like, jellyfish and stuff. And there's man of war oh. down there. It's really bad. And if you get hit by a man of war, which I've seen happen to, like, my friends who were, like, wow. you know, would just wear regular bathing suits or whatever. But it, and it's, it's, it can leave a scar. Gnarly. Yeah. It can yeah. leave a scar. It's really bad. It hurts. Wow. I mean, I've got just a few of those little prickles, the uh, nematocysts, they're called, the little cells that actually, like, do the harm. And mm -hmm. just, you can tell, even just swimming near one is enough to, like, 
stab you. And it's crazy. If you look at them under a microscope, it's literally a coiled spring uh, set to release as soon as it like touches something. <gasps> so it's actually, oh it's a little like a poke that sticks out and then sticks into you and it sticks to your skin and then injects a little bit of like that toxin. It's really wild. Um, when you live in Florida, they show you all that stuff at like marine biology camp or class. Wow. Or <laughs> yeah. Always wear your skin. Yeah. Or your wetsuit. No, that's a... That's what they call them in Florida is a skin. I don't know if that's like the same thing. Yeah. It's a little, well, it's, because, it's basically an adult because, onesie zip up. Thing yeah. But, but it's so, so like there's, well, there's two layers that I'm familiar okay. with. You have, you have, well, the first thing is the rash guard, which is, um, it's more like a neoprene t-shirt in the set. Like it feels oh, like, okay. um, like workout gear. Even it has that same feel that like, you know, under armor wicking, like high performance, running yeah. gear might have right it's kind of smooth yeah. it feels real silky right like like even like the bike shirts you like bike shirts have that right feel right yeah, where it's like so no that friction, feel yeah. no friction yeah so the first thing is the rash guard and that's usually like a little t-shirt maybe like a little pair of boxer shorts that you would wear under your wetsuit okay um and i always understood the rash guard to essentially protect you from the like seams of the wetsuit like oh. just in case like they were a little too tight like they just it just could rub you a little better the yeah. way you don't actually shouldn't probably wear just jeans on a horse like the way real cowboys wore nylons and then wore their jeans because the nylons create like a frictionless surface Listen, right the silk i've experimented with all kinds of clothes in my life and i can tell you that wearing something over your legs under a pant feels extremely satisfying and comfortable so that's right so the rash guard basically does the same thing on the wetsuit because what you're trying to do is not just swim in the suit although that's sufficient movement ideally you're also surfing in it right you're trying to do all kinds of crazy shit like yes. stand up and move real fast and so you don't really want like some like weird itchy thing and if you're like uh and if you're like me who's also very sensitive to the feeling of itchy labels and mm too tight things like in spots like oh my god yeah weird weird to me i'm big so, into this fashion trend of oversized things that's that's big for me <laughs> I, I like all the other i like all the things i just they have to just be just so right like mm. they, it can be tight doesn't have to be oversized but then it can't be like um it can only be compression if it's like i'm on a long flight and i need that for my legs you know i'm literally or... wearing a compression short right now so <laughs> No, well, oh. again, people are fun. people are different, but I <laughs> everyone's got their own shit. Is what I'm saying. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm not against any of it. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I am looking for a couple of graphs. Uh, speaking of climate, and I can only find one of them. Oh. I would like to show this one to you. Do, 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 do. Where am I? Let me stop my screen share. Hold on. Yeah. There I be. Okay, now I can see. I still can't get over how, like, um, like you've been using Zoom for a lot longer, and I guess we've been using it for a year and a half or more now, which is mm -hmm. <laughs> funny and weird to think about. But um, it's this is still kind of magical for me, this thing. Like that we can share cameras of our faces sharing the desktop and it's like at a good frame rate it looks like it's basically just a window on my computer it's very mm -hmm. yeah it's still very like novel to me 
See, and I remember um, being online long enough that, like, you also had the, like, audio channels online because the, like, consoles didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you could have voice over IP through the internet, and yeah. so, like, let so I um, you could invite like let's say all your gaming crew, and you could all be talking shit while you're all playing whatever stupid game. Yeah, there was team, and that was its. And yeah, there were a bunch of them. Ventrilo. Uh, I, Ventrilo was the one I was familiar with. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really, I I didn't really game so much anymore by then, but I I still had all that bullshit like installed and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always played around with it anyway, um, because like I had friends who were gamers and people online. It was also a great way to have voice over IP really easily and cheaply because you didn't actually yeah. need to be gaming. You could just be there. And so sometimes it was like, let's say five people in a room, three of them are gaming and the other two are essentially riff tracksing in the back. Yeah. Right? Like, so how was the, it's basically you know group chat and you a, know? event server was only like three dollars a month too so you could like it was easy mm -hmm. to like have like mm -hmm. you, you know pool your money together have one person in the group say i'll spend mm -hmm. the 30 dollars or whatever to just yeah. have a yeah. group space for us mm -hmm. and that was essentially discord before discord really yeah yeah um, and yeah. but that's what this is too right like yeah. except this is like the wave of the future this is the picture phone that we were always promised yeah is this the dominant because you talk with other people who use other platforms i'm sure is zoom that's still the dominant one or is there like another one that's above oh yeah zoom's yeah. still the main like, the main one as as far as i know like um like i think like microsoft teams people are like forced to use because of like corporate but i don't think that that's like what they would use on their choice like of their own volition okay right um the other one yeah. the other one that really lost the race here was skype because everyone skype. used to use skype um skype was the early chat ones i associate skype a lot with like tumblr i don't know why but i do who was paying who I Okay. No, you finish your thought first, because I'm. No, I'm... that's it. That's all I got. I, I was just gonna say I don't know why I have that connection. Okay, Tumblr. I, can't, I don't know why. Uh, it makes me I Skype was, I makes think me of Skype and Tumblr. Skype makes that's... me think of Yahoo Chat. Um, <laughs> Yahoo basically, kind of started the same time. I just, which I just recently found a piece of paper. I was going through bullshit. So I have all this bullshit everywhere because I too am obsessed with keeping little post-it notes with little memories and shit yes right I but sometimes those memories are important which is why i can't yeah exactly well then, look, look I, this. then this is all this is all the notes no i i constantly run them through the paper shredder to make confetti mm. like especially the post-it notes because it comes out colorful so that that's really nice so i turn i turn that into like party decorations for work because it's perfect okay. it's actually magnificent anyway that's a different story the point is is that i yeah. finally uh uh found the account and password for my yahoo oh n whoa you want to go into some 15 year old emails that's crazy wow no not yet <laughs> no i just mean not well you can do it in the podcast well, well there isn't just, very you... much in there because i had gotten it as an entire gag so there was the simpsons episode once it was one of the musicals where lisa simpson gets a uh smart girl underscore three six backslash or some bullshit like uh -huh. that um 
And so I went into Yahoo and also registered smart girl three six underscore backslash or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. But I randomly inserted actual underscores into it. Okay. Couldn't remember where they were. Yes. I'll tell you my st- okay. I'll tell you my story. Oh. Anyway, I did finally find both the account name and password okay but what's I, important about this story brian what's really important about this story right uh-huh. is that i i had made this account and i think i lost post it within like three days of it okay so like oh no i never really ever used it <laughs> oh i'm thinking about like my so it's like this pres- I, i'm yeah, I have to, like, log... I hope it's still there. I hope it What's hasn't that? just been, like, purged because it's been a long time. I don't know how long it goes, right? Maybe forever? I would hope so, Hotmail. but... Hotmail. Yeah, um... Okay, I just wrote down... Hotmail. AOL. Uh, you got uh, your cable company one, this right? Whatever your AIM, cable company was, right? AIM. So you had, like... AOL... I mean, yeah, I'm writing these down. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna read off. Is you ready? I'm gonna read off some yeah. some handles that I've used previously. I'm, oh, terrifying! I'm getting, I'm getting brave. <laughs> I know. I'm doing this. Um. Okay. Uh, my original. No, let me think. Is that my original? I was probably single digits. Was that really it? Or was there one before that? There was. What was it? What would I have used then? The Matrix wasn't out yet. It was like 1995 or 6. Okay. It was Manzi15973. M A N Z Y one five nine seven three. So I, I, if you look up somewhere on the internet, that would be me when I was literally like nine to twelve. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> then I was Zertam two thousand two, which is the Matrix spelled backwards two thousand two. You can find some IMDb posts probably with that if those still exist, if the IMDb forum still exists. Then it was Blackened three eleven. That was my aim name, but I used that in some places. Then it was um, Deus Ex 10. But then, when I found the forums, then it was QWERTY, Q-W-E-R-T-Y. Then I got banned for account sharing because I was sharing with a friend. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, yeah. uh, you know who you are. Uh, and now I'm who I am now on, on, uh, on Twitter, which is funny because... Not QWERTY. <laughs> no, definitely not. In fact, uh, uh, yeah. Not underscore QWERTY is, no. I believe, the handle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think that the time I can remember all those handles as if they were like my name. It's so funny. I can remember my original Twitter handles here too. I was Barkevius Mingo originally, which is the name of a uh Cleveland Browns player, or maybe a Cincinnati Bengals player. I just, like, <laughs> but it was cool because he was from uh, Florida, and I thought that was like cool that he was like 
It was my coded way a of Floridian. saying Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after Barkevius Mingo, I was... I don't know. I kept that for years, though. Um, but yeah, now I, now I change my name all the time because it's more fun that way. Hmm. Yeah. But my handle yeah, always I been the same. I, I never changed my at. So. Uh, I I've basically been. So like uh okay so here's here's maybe uh, well by the way hold on. Mm. And you don't hold have on. to repeat any of the detail that I gave if you don't want to. No, this no, is just for me. No, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna hold on. I have I have a notepad here at handy. It's very hold cathartic on. to say those things, and you yeah. know what my handle is on essay and Twitter, if you know. I was gonna that. say. Okay. Okay. Here we go. This is my train of thought. I wrote it down. Okay. Yes. Um, pause right here because I found the maybe not the source of the other image, but something akin to what I was thinking of, okay. and it was tied to this headline. And it that headline is extreme threat, large swath of southern U.S. at dangerous wet bulb temperature. Oh, wow! So um, we were talking write, about swamp coolers. Um, let me write one note real quick, and something I don't think I've ever told you before, but it's. Okay. Do you know what a psycho... Well, no. You continue. I'll say my thing okay. at the end. I don't want to interrupt okay. again. Oh, there's so much. Okay. So I don't really... Because I live, I think, in California and in New Mexico, and those are really the only two places I've ever lived uh, for any real prolonged period of time, I don't really understand what a wet bulb temperature is. Do I you? Yes, I have a very specific reason. Can you explain reason. it to yes. me? Yes. Okay. So I. Here's a secret for everyone at home. I am actually a contractor. I was a contractor for a long time. I'm licensed in both plumbing and air conditioning as a master in both in the state of Florida. Oh, that's badass. And one of the that's things actually really that they, badass, um, I think. it also makes me a draftsman, and it also makes me. Um, oh wow. Yeah. It also it also makes me an expert on what's called the psycho. Metric. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's literally I'm no, an no, expert. No, continue, I'm continue, an expert continue. in what's continue. called a psycho the psychometric chart. Which okay. is has everything to do with wet and dry bulb <gasps> temperatures. Oh my gosh. No shit. Yes. Okay, continue. Okay, this is the <laughs> Oof. Okay, so So please explain to me like I'm an absolute uh, moron on your what end, it is. On your end, just Google uh, psychometric chart PDF and it's just so like a one sheet and it's just like a graph okay. that shows you where basically dew point uh, is established based on how much humidity is in the air versus the temperature that it is and like that, that like psycho like psychology uh, yeah and then chart so the psych psychrometric oh psycho yeah sorry I was saying it wrong but that's what it is that's okay. there we go so that's it yeah, this is what we even use in class. So basically, you can see there's a curve for everyone at home. I'll just describe. It's basically a chart with a curve. I don't know what kind of curve that would be, mathematically speaking, but uh, that looks. I got D's. Uh, it looks parabolic. Okay. It looks maybe. Uh, it, but it looks like half a parabola. So uh, from my point of view, uh, like as a math nerd, uh, what I see is that it is. Um, uh, the x-axis on the bottom says 
dry bulb temperature in degrees Fahrenheit. So, okay, so let me, let me show you, Brian, what I'm what I understand of this, which is just like the basic math of this, but I don't understand what any of this means, yes. right? So, I see the x-axis dry bulb temperature in degrees Fahrenheit ranging from 20 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're not seeing the zero classic XY axis that we saw in school, let's say. We're seeing just a little truncated bit of the X. Yes. And then on the right-hand side, as opposed to the left-hand side, which is, again, usually what we see in school, but this time the Y axis is on the right-hand side of this chart, and it goes from zero to 210, and it measures the humidity r ratio, grains of moisture per pound of dry air. Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, mm -hmm. uh, let me let me get my little my little laser pointer. So if this is humidity ratio, so right now if I look at my thing here in New Mexico, outside the humidity is 28 percent. So that would put it around there, Kendall. Correct. Okay indoors because i'm running the swamp cooler it is currently at 49 so that puts it up here right okay 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 that i get okay. uh now i don't even know what dry bulb temperature is so go. i couldn't even begin to understand that so but this i get okay the saturation temperature is the kind of the key thing there because what the saturation temperature is telling you that at that temperature at, okay. then that percentage of humidity is going to be your dew point. The air will no longer, after that curve, extending past that curve, if you consider like a home run on the curve, over past uh -huh. the curve, then <gasps> you're going to get dew point. And that's when okay, mo so moisture, after the how air... Much? So basically, once you break out of the blue zone, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Okay, once, out of the blue zone. <clears throat> yeah, then you actually, that's the curve. The, oh, that's the 100%. Air, the yeah. air at a certain temperature can no longer contain a certain amount of moisture. And so that's actually what wet bulb is. It's when, if oh. I remember correctly, it's when the air is forced to push moisture onto surfaces or anywhere else that can't hold it anymore. It'll start pooling got on the you. ground, etc. Got you, got you, got you. Sort okay. of like a shower, uh, sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it, it gets gets really hot in there and the condensation and from the, the water floor will get wet even without yeah yeah it's sort of nothing's like happened yeah. that's why you need a bath mat for safety yeah so slippery <laughs> yes. i mean i have one and i actually probably don't need it because again i i just stand in the shower and then like yeah i love a minute that. and a half goes by and i'm dry like Do you know how I feel long it like takes I'm my hair to dry it's still wet i took a shower at like seven or eight Oh so gosh, that. I haven't washed my hair in like three or four still, days, yeah. and it's still a little dry. <laughs> I'm still having to like put shit in it to like I use coconut oil on the tips. That's what I use, so, and that's it. <laughs> I don't use anything else. Really? So I I use this little spray. I got it. It's um it does have some coconut in it too, but it's so I use the proper shampoo and conditioner. But now I also use a spray mm -hmm. that I spray on sort of like where you would put conditioner, but it makes my hair not like at all like it stays kind of looking like it like i said it when it's wet so it's kind of cool i like that but what was i gonna say oh uh if my father ever listens to it which i hear that he listens from time to time i've heard this from my mother um he will think yeah so it must be something like that i love the giovanni frisbee gone super smoothing anti-frizz hair serum 
Eco Chic Beauty for only ten ninety nine. I love this shit. No, it's like um Okay, I'm taking so a screenshot. This this is literally what I use for my for my hair on my tips. The tips of my hair. Because that's all I really have to worry about out here. But I do have to keep it nice. I get frizz in humidity and it like I poof out. I start to look like I'm a hairspray extra. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't really mind. It's a good luck, but it can be a little much sometimes. A little unwieldy, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. So back to the. I'm going to invest in that. So back to um to this. So basically, when you're uh, when you become a contractor, they force you to learn all stuff. They give you a bunch of tests on it. You take some questions. You have to use this chart to figure out some math equations. And funnily enough, I could figure out engineering math despite getting D's like literally until the end of high school through math. So. Hey. Oh, okay. So dry bulb temperature, if I'm understanding this correctly, then this is just the regular thermometer. Rate. Yes. Is that right? Correct. Like, so it's out, it's out like just in my house and it's up on the wall and it's nothing too crazy, right? Like, if you look it's up just the, a little... the history of wet bulb, it was actually taken by taking a wet sock. I'm not even kidding. You would take a sock and you would wet it and place it in like a, th like a little like sphere. Sort of like looks like one of those like, um, like one like of those the things you, science like, experiments from Holy Mountain. Yeah, and you spin it, and you would. It, it had. It's crazy. Like the weather people would do this every day. They would put the wet sock and the little thing, spin it around, and then take some measurement off of it, and that would like tell them like what the humidity was or something. It's insane. There's also this little glass floaty thing that you can use, and that tells you like what the humidity is as well. It's there's like alcohol inside of it, and you float it in water or something. I don't know. They okay, show you all so this stuff because they have to show you one time and you immediately forget about it. So let me use my current example, right? Yeah. So in here, <laughs> yes. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to take the highest amount of humidity that I have, which is the indoor one. And yes. I'm going to go ahead and pretend that that indoor reading on my gauge, because yes. I have a, an electric, uh, electronic thermometer. It's a little device, one that sits inside my home and one that's right outside on my lanai. So we don't call it a lanai here. I'm going to call it a lanai now, though. <laughs> we call it a portal, you know? I'm going to be like, Kathy, shit. show me to your lanai. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be sick as hell. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of, like, 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 like pineapples and fucking large tropical plants growing out there. Some pampas grass. Yeah, it's like yeah. safari jungle. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 49%. So I'm, that, that puts me solid. Let's just say 50. So that puts me right here, right? And then yes. the temperature, again, I'm just going to take the highest reading, which is the outdoor one, which is 81. So if I were to match those two lines, that takes me, let's just say, to right here. Yes. So what does that mean? That tells I'm still you. inside the blue, so that seems I'm okay. I'm not doing too bad. That tells you that you are, yeah, you're not a dew point yet. So the air will still hold moisture, which means for, I'll, I'll give a perfect example. When I used to run the swamp cooler in the house, I would run it for way too long. Mm -hmm. And that's when moisture would start to hang around and we get mold and stuff like that. By injecting, um, 
thing about it like this as well it's it's a very delicate balance you have to do with the swamp cooler because more moisture in the air means potentially more heat that can be wicked away from your body itself but at the same time more moisture in the air stagnant when it's hot is going to is going to sap your body of energy essentially more as your body tries to cool okay. down so if you don't have the windows open while you're running the humidifier you're actually going to make it hotter for your body inside mm -hmm. you, you will evaporate less and then mm -hmm. you're actually doing more damage. I didn't get that for a long time. I thought you could just like wow. run the, the thing. I didn't understand that. Which wow. even after having my license, I was like, you know, I didn't know. There's like a whole lifestyle, this this swamp cooler thing. Okay. So. But yes. I, I'm going to guess that now seeing from where I am. Yes. If I wanted to find like danger zone. Yes. Right. Would I then Mold. follow this dark blue line up? Is that what I would do? Or is this just like... The dark blue, yes, that's going to bring you to where um, you're going to have I was standing like moisture, right, I think. Because I was like right here. So I'm going to go ahead and pretend that I then follow this point up. And then this is like danger zone. Yeah, that's dew point. This is, so this is dew point. Yes. So then this would be... I would have to get to like... Uh, like a relative hum a humidity ratio of 80 so for me it would have to like in this example my humidity would have to double in order for my temperature to become dangerous yes how about Ish. this it could how about this a very as long as wet bulb temperature increases globally or in areas where it's going to affect people's health that will be a much bigger thing to track than any other statistic which i think is perhaps what this is actually getting at um, because a higher wet bulb means more people are going to suffer from heat related illness because it actually has the ability to sap your body quicker even if there's the same temperature at a lesser humidity essentially gotcha yes gotcha. And humidity will rise as there is more water in the atmosphere etc okay so <clears throat> obviously it's not the temperature that'll get you and it's not well not necessarily Probably not until you're reaching really extreme temperatures. Yeah. <clears throat> and it won't be the humidity that gets you until it reaches much higher saturations. But when they both do, yes. that's when you're in real danger zone. And that's what wet bulb is essentially. Am I like as a moron? Am I kind of understanding yes, we that? Lose, we lose heat through sweating. But if the air mm -hmm. is not conducive, well, you know that. But if the air is if not it, conducive to actually removing the moisture from our bodies anymore, then it's we're literally sitting there. It doesn't matter what temperature is, you're not losing heat anymore. Like so, okay. Next question. Yeah. Okay, let's say I'm in I'm in that situation. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Could I then just go sit in the bathtub, like and in cold cool water. water? Yes. Yeah, cool yes. water, and I'll just like sit there and just be like, okay, this sucks. Cool but... water is the solution. Yes cool so so like sitting in a pool of cool water would be the like even plus room temperature water do. would still yeah even if you just filled a bathtub and laid in it even room temperature yeah. water would reduce your body temperature over time so yeah okay okay so um i don't want to say i should have a giant person-sized bucket at the handy <laughs> but i feel like if i got like a rain barrel and put like a little wooden chair in there like a little and dunk? like turn 
and uh, yeah and like turned it into like a little like japanese egg spot thing i think i could make that happen maybe that's how offices are now they're all about five feet deep and our, our heads or no three and a half feet deep and our heads just kind of poke above yeah, the water no, I'm, 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 I'm get, okay here's what i'm gonna do right here's what i'm gonna do when when tyler and i buy our home out here in new mexico i'm gonna go out to the like tractor supply place or whatever and i'm gonna buy a big giant like horse trough okay Except mm-hmm. it won't be a horse trough. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna refurbish it so I can just turn it into a bucket <laughs> filled with water. Mm-hmm. I think... And then I'll just sit in it. All right, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's like the mo- then I'm putting. See, I'm I'm the opposite of the of the wet bulb though. Like I'm trying to just instill my body with moisture like i yeah. need it we'll call it a bespoke I'm water like drying. feature <laughs> i'm drying out out kathy's so. bespoke water feature <laughs> made out of a horse trough <laughs> yes well you don't have to tell anyone that no well, well it's a very it's a it's an it's an upcycled industrial yeah, we'll hot it. tub yeah <laughs> yeah we'll give it a little give it a little white we'll little... call it an earth tub <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much like a house half buried in the ground is an earth yeah. ship, yes. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, we'll half bury it. Yeah. See, look at this. <laughs> you can put a little and, greenhouse uh, dome over it, you know? Like for all of our friends, it'll be like hot you box know, in it. we will we'll be able to like build it for cost of materials, but for everyone else it'll be like four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Ours ours will be made out of Coke bottles we find at the recycling facility for free. Oh, Theirs will also upcycle. Yeah. there's however we will not bother to actually clean out be like no no no. once you fill it with water like that'll take care (laughs) yeah we'll uh we'll build theirs full of uh out of full bottles of trader joe's wine um Okay, so then yes. this headline, which yes. says readings of it, this article goes on to say readings of a key indicator of heat exposure danger have reached the highest possible threat level in multiple southern states. This is dated June 29th, 2023. That is uh, yesterday. When it comes to the wet bulb temperature, nearly all of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas are under extreme threat. The wet bulb temp measures multiple stressors on the human body and direct sunlight. Not in the shade, as the heat index does. Correct. Okay. Uh, So these folks uh, have provided this helpful graph that also explains to morons like me that there is less risk. I'm sorry, higher risk. Although this is strange because the arrow really should be going like higher risk. And why is is dark gray more risk than red? Because they ran out of red. <laughs> they they should have made a darker red. I, I agree with you. Um, Either way. I would like to run this by my colorblind comrades and ask them what they would have to say about this as... But luckily, okay, here's, here's some good the, news. They did at least label these, so I have some idea that hmm. this is low threat. So low threat would be under 72, uh, let's just say under 78 degrees for all of them-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, once you're starting to get a little over 78 degrees in all of these, there's yeah. now an elevated threat for uh, heat illness. Uh, once you're reaching, it looks like 80s moderate threat, 
uh, once you're hitting around 82, 83, you have high threat. And then once you're reaching, let's just say not 83, but maybe now 85, you're now in extreme heat threat across the board. Which I, w I would totally agree. 85 degrees here outside with, you know, the humidity that we have is it, it feels it's like you want to get inside as fast as you can. if you don't have to be outside, you know, it's not even a good day for tanning because it's oppressive. It's mm -hmm. like too much. You want wow. really a breezy day for that, but. Well, anyway, so this was my train of thought. Uh, we were talking about aim handles and online handles. Mm -hmm. And what our before handles were. But. Yes. I have taken technological sabbaticals, uh, tech celibacy, if you will. For periods of time. But I've also told you about the sexual celibacy periods I've taken. Mm -hmm. uh, also for whatever delineated periods of time. And to me, they're kind of one and the same. Mm. Uh, they're about a kind of discipline that I think uh, is worth developing in ourselves if we're going to A, know ourselves, as in like the big philosophical know thyself yeah i'm not saying you don't have to not what i'm saying is you <laughs> yeah because you can masturbate and not that's that that's still celibacy I'm making, I think. I'm making notes thank you personally i believe that Red right I, have, I think i have a loose inter i mean i don't know if like I'm, the I'm church would agree with me <laughs> but <laughs> i don't really give a fuck what the church okay. doesn't count doesn't, doesn't count, count okay right but when I say celibacy, I think I more mean, like, in the sexual sense, was I wasn't dating it. Like, at all. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, I, I wasn't pursuing romantic love. I wasn't mm. pursuing uh, sexual pleasure for hedonistic reasons. Um, mm. uh, which I don't, uh, uh, philosophically, morally, personally, I have zero issue with and have engaged in significantly in my time. It's just that at that particular moment in my life, I didn't want to. And so I did it. And that it was just that simple in my head. Um, and uh, anyway, so I did the same thing with technology. So uh, the first time I did anything of this sort. So, Brian, I, I'm, I'm a very silly person. I, I will admit this. I'm a very silly person. Okay. Um, but I think it's also because of the way I was raised uh which is to say that i wasn't i was essentially left to fend for myself but yes, i had a very we're, limited we're have commonalities I had, that way i had a very limited corral in which to run so I, I couldn't really i wasn't i couldn't exactly be feral i was more caged right so a lot of it was very imaginary and a lot of it was in uh media movies film whatever yeah. Yeah. and eventually by the time i was older it was also the internet um, and so I'm 18 and I leave for Santa Fe to start school, but I think I've mentioned to you, I was the editor in chief of my high school yearbook. So we had just gone entirely digital, entirely digital at school. So we had digital cameras, uh, negative scanners, state of the art Macintoshes, uh, uh, the iMac towers. That were like in those, uh, like, uh, they were, 
uh, they were the first like titanium ones. Yes, I absolutely they were remember what those looked like. As fuck, dude. Yeah. So I I felt like I was like, you know, queen tech, right? I yeah, felt so, so cool. cool. I knew everything. And then when I went to school, I was like, well, when I was gonna start school, I was like, oh. I'm like, I also know how I am, though, and I really, really, really want to do well at school. And not just because I, I, like, want to have a better job later, like, I did believe in that, but I actually liked the very idea of the school I was going to go to, which was, of course, a very philosophical one. Yeah. And um, and I was like, I, I think I'm too addicted to the Internet to really love both things. And so I was like, cool, I'm just going to leave my computer at home. Wow. So I left my computer at home and I brought um, my I didn't even bring my typewriter at this point because um, I was like, well, they said they have a computer lab. I just go type my I could just write out my draft on paper because I do that anyway. And then once it's like kind once I've kind of edited and kind of done my internal editing, because I, I was still kind of old school in my editing. So I would still like. um if like I if I was like writing a draft and I wanted to transpose a paragraph, I might like keep a note on that. But I, in my head, I'd already done it. Like so, then when I'm typing it, I'm already like everything's already perfect in my head. Yeah. Um. Because I was also used to the article gets drafted on ruled paper, and then it's actually like I was still I was still like when I first started on your book, we were actually typing it on typewriters, like in like column inches and then cutting pasting gluing cropping like we hadn't quite yet transitioned yet we had some computers but they weren't capable of doing graphic design right so like we could we could outsource it we would set we would um we would do the layout like with paper and like with the with the letra set put that all shit down we crop the photos to the exact size and then we'd send all of that like flat packages to the yearbook printer who they then had the capability to put our photos where they were needed to go labeled exactly as flats right and they'd print it they'd send it back to us but we couldn't do it because we were still not quite there on the technology scale when i started high school in 1996 Right. But by the time I graduated, or 1995, but by the time I graduated in 1999, we were. That's what's like, I, I like. I think for me personally, it was just like a, yeah. a, a thing. So I wasn't like totally addicted to it. I didn't feel like I couldn't do it the old school way. And indeed, I still think in that very old school way. When I, when I make a flyer now on like uh, digitally, I usually have drafted it out on paper four or 500 times first. Like even now for, then like I'll do like a I'll, I'll do sto- like if I'm like. yeah I storyboard I storyboard shitloads like okay wanna, anyway so that in down. that old yeah interesting so I go to school and I'm like I don't need my computer I don't need my scanner I don't need all this shit fuck this it stays at home and when I when then if I come home and visit my parents for a long weekend I can what fuck around but i'm in school like i want to do well i want to concentrate so i got rid of like i didn't use it now i didn't get a computer at all for the entire four years that i was there as an undergraduate damn kathy that's incredible so there is a four it starts with a four-year posting gap 
in my persona. Like it just there is it isn't there. You're not going to find it because it wasn't happening. Um, before then, I was like, yeah, I was like a high school kid and I was on AOL because that was what my parents were giving me. Um, and uh, so I had an AOL account. I wasn't too savvy, but I had my GeoCities page that was still up. I was I would still sometimes post on it while I was in school, but it was so far between because I would have to go to the computer lab and I didn't want to do that shit there. Um, felt too personal. Um, yeah. And like, even if there wasn't really anyone around, like, I don't know, it always just I always felt like I was watching my six. And I didn't want to do it on the school computer either. Just, that just I always had a sense of operational security. Yeah, personally. you wouldn't want to like post your live journal at school. That would seem. Yeah, no, that would seem on their like servers and shit. Like, yeah. Like, or on their computers, yeah. Yeah, who knows um, who's watching at the IT department, what kind of creep or whatever. I always used to think. Yeah, I mean, that. and I didn't, you know, same thing. I didn't care. I didn't care enough anyway, right? So four years, I didn't post. Yeah. Um, my junior year, I decided to make my life easier and actually got a typewriter to start drafting my thoughts because then it was just a little, like, faster than actually longhand. Yeah. By then, I was having to write much longer papers, too, maybe by section by section. So that wasn't too bad. But <coughs> either way, I would still draft it and then type up the final thing at the computer lab, spend 30 minutes typing, another 30 minutes editing the final thing, and I wouldn't hardly spend any time in the computer lab. So fuck that. And uh, then I got out. Uh, and I went to go live with my brother in Oklahoma. I didn't post. I didn't. Same thing. Still didn't. Uh, I was like, it's beautiful out here. I have a job. Spending time with my bro. Uh, went back to California to start graduate school. And that's when I got back online. Oh. And that was like uh, 2005. So is that when you got into the forums at some point? Or knew about the forums? Or learned about? Or were you aware of that existing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't make an account for the longest time. Because uh, I still, it took me like, about even two by years. 2000, even by 2005, yeah, I didn't, I, I lurked for another two or three years, I think. Um, but same thing, like, I was like, I also didn't really want to post because uh, I was starting graduate school and getting my teaching degree and getting ready to work with children. Yeah. And so like, um, yeah, I, I was very con again, always been very conscientious of OPSEC. So I wasn't like, Oh, let me like go online and post like uh, the R word and shit. Like I, you won't find those posts either no, from I... me. Cause they, they yeah. like, I just, well, that wasn't really happening in my mindset in the first place. But like, I certainly wasn't going to be like, my name is, you know, Captain Boner Dildo 69 Pizza Wasp, you I know, wish, whatever. I like, wish it was that's gonna what be all... it was. Yeah, I wish it was too. You know, now, now I do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, no, then I, when I did finally register on the forums, I did register as a, a Captain Dipshit or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, a name that I continued to use on Twitter. Uh, but th those were really my own. Um, and I used it for my Tumblr, which I think doesn't exist anymore because I couldn't remember the password. Um, most of my posts were, uh, uh, they were very artsy. I didn't, I didn't participate in, again, I, I don't see online as something I 
used to talk about with other people. They were like diaries for myself. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'm and like... that's why like I want to get back into journaling too because yeah. like now that Twitter's dying and I haven't really been really adjusted to blue sky but to be fair I also haven't spent much much time in there beyond like like making sure I follow people back and yes. shit but... yeah that's when I'm I'm there to set up the platform right now I'm not going to like yeah. use it until the you know the balance shifts or whatever but I'm there yeah. to, like, well it's starting to happen yeah it is and, mm -hmm. and I I posted yesterday if anyone saw that the, the kind of idea that I was saying but I feel like the vibe is off is that it's not there yet like I, I feel mm -hmm. like it's something is not everyone like a lot of people have signed up but not many mm -hmm. people are actually posting so when you go to your timeline it's like seven people mm -hmm. i think it'll change you know it's just well and also like it can't well at least on my app it can't do video yeah i mean that's like one of my favorite things to do is like to post that so mm -hmm. like i want to be able to post a big attachment so if i could post like videos that would be mm -hmm. great because that's like the, that's the only reason i have twitter blue is just so i can post videos over two minutes See, and I just like even just 20, 30 second videos. I'm happy with that. I always have, I don't, I, you know, me personally, I have, I have ADD, so I can't like focus that well. I'm like, I've lost that. interest like five seconds into it. See, that's why we should be making TikTok content. Yeah, no, I can't. Cause I, 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 I forget even that. Okay. Fair enough. I'm just saying. No, still, I can't. I still haven't made anything for TikTok. I, I literally, oh, did, oh, did I show you that? I literally went and looked up reality issues on TikTok in about six yes. months. So weird. That was so weird. It's about six months before we created the show or even came of the name. Someone created a TikTok called Reality Issues, at Reality Issues. And it's just like three like posts from like a jilted lover with like some songs behind it. Or like, I don't know what exactly is happening there. But thank God it has nothing to do with me <laughs> or us or anything. But it sucks because now it's just going to be that empty spot forever. Never mind TikTok. I'm looking at a temperature map. Yeah, I'm trying to enlarge it. I'm looking at a... There it is. There we go. Oh, so interesting. The temperature zone that is the most um, affected is actually sort of along the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. Down to the Gulf. Although, I guess where I'm living is in, like, the one zone up from that. But... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Here's me. Here's um, Albuquerque at mm. 72. And then here be uh, Santa Fe at 69. <laughs> nice. House at 60. Nice. Taos at 66. Pecos at 68. Wow, is Taos really that close to the border? That's crazy. Yeah. I guess every time I drove up there, I never thought about how close we were to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't this shit wild? Yeah. I didn't... What's up with the Mississippi River? I guess it just evaporates moisture and it creates extra humidity around... I guess it must. Interesting. Yeah. So that one, and of course I think I shared the... Uh... Oh gosh, this one. The Antarctic Sea Anomalies. We have broken the record for the least amount 
of Antarctic sea ice, at, like ever. Oh. So, here's a graph on the x-axis from January to January of a any particular year, let's say, because this one is accumulating a range uh, of years beginning I in 1979. I was a confused there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then on the y-axis, we have uh, a baseline of zero, which is, let's just say, a normal ice extent mm -hmm. on, on average of all of these extents, yeah. ranging to positive three to negative three. So either more extensive, normal, or less extensive. And mm -hmm. so here the gray is the average of all of the extents for, or the range of them from 1979 to the years 2022. So almost everything is every, every temperature we've ever had has been in between the gray thing. In 2016, the last time we had broken this record of lowest extent, least extent was in 2016. That would be this white line that they're indicating right here. So we see that, that 2016 okay. whoop, comes down and creates previous... this lowest point right here, the previous low record. Bam. And here we are in 2023. So let's look at what's happening in our year. Well, first of all, we started our January also breaking records well outside of the range of all previous years. Every previous year is this gray part. 2023, we started way the fuck down here, way below where we should be. Keep going, breaking records, breaking records, breaking records, whoop, starting to get back normal again around March. We're now entering the range of like kind of more normal shit of gray. But then this awful thing happens right here in May. Instead of continuing to recover, right, we saw a ca catastrophic collapse, Brian. Yeah. Wow. And with, a, and a, with an angle peak, that doesn't look like it's, yeah. This peak should either be happening in late, like late December, but it's happening right now in July. Write the See word that? Down. Yeah. Did you know, which maybe you do, you probably do, that somewhere in the nineteen early nineteen seventies, um, there was, I can't remember one of those international groups, you know, Davos or one of those motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. They got together and they built a big computer simulation based on the new learnings at the time of quote unquote what they called ecology, which is not even the field of ecology today. It's actually been established that what they were doing then was like a reverse of what they should have been doing. Mm -hmm. But either way, they created a computer simulation of the globe that didn't just include uh, nature, although it did include a lot of nature, it included um, political climates, all kinds of things, predictions of the future on a broad scale, real broad stroke mm -hmm. stuff, just like mm -hmm. will this continent have global conflict with another conf with another place or will this bordering country have these issues and it goes into real detail mm -hmm. it's like imagine if you had a crusader kings 3 but you could simulate the whole world's global political ecosystem they figured that out back in the 70s with the giant computer or at least they thought wow. they, they thought they did and this is not even really what i'm getting into it's not the fact that they built it 
the they building it means that they thought they could actually get an accurate simulation out of a computer mm -hmm. system at that time because they committed all the money to it but here's because someone told them that they could but here's the other thing they were so convinced by their results um which i would get to after i tell you um mm -hmm. they, they received the results over and over and over again and they figured out that while the timeline that would take them from the 1970s to now uh would take an like uncountable chaos of different paths to get mm -hmm. somewhere it all arrived around 2050 no matter what happened at like global chaos based on um climate and human migration uh, human migration due to climate being disrupted and that was i believe we can look it up but i think it was in 1971 to 3 somewhere in there wow yeah and i it is my personal belief that a lot of that was taken very seriously at the time by a lot of people. And while, you know, there's purposes why you'd want to have the public either believe in this or not, it doesn't matter. You can mm -hmm. still make your broad choices that would be investment decisions based on how you think the world is going to evolve in the next 50 or so years. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people did. Mm. As much as you'd make money on cleaning things up as you'd make making things dirty. Jesus. But that's just me. No, I think I, I don't see. I think I think that that's where I think the the hubris lies, right? Which is this idea that like we can undo anything. Yeah. Which and you, and entropy you, tell like entropy tells us that's not possible. It's and, just not. You can't unbreak shit. And I also don't think you can create an actual simulation of nature either. The very mm -mm. there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be able to because of just the very na nature of chaos itself. Even a species yeah. isn't a species. It's a uncountable number or perhaps accountable if it's almost going extinct number There's... of different examples of life that are able to procreate like there's this hubristic aspect of course of man and of course this is also the fucking submarine dude right because like because like yeah. the submarine dude is like oh look at like all of these idiots who are insisting on regulation and it's like yeah dude because that's what's tried and true actually like it's past peer review it's past experimentation by all kind like uh so we watched the james cameron documentary mm. yeah i need to watch that amazing it's on it's on the youtubes okay. uh for free with ads i think um i have a good ad blocker i will wink oh i like that i block do you block oh <laughs> i uh I pay thirteen ninety nine a month. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I'll say this: I used to steal from age whatever to um, let's say twenty sixteen. No, 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 twenty thirteen. I stole everything I ever consumed online. As soon as I could figure it out, I was downloading Seinfeld online at age eight or whatever. I, I had it all. I was downloading. All that shit. ROMs. As a special games, shout out to any of our listeners everything. who have or would like to continue sharing their Plex passwords. <laughs> the only reason shout I out, stopped. Shout out to the real MVPs. Is because I got lazy. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. I could be stealing all that stuff still. I'm just, there's no principle. There's nothing. It's just because I'm lazy. Oh, Jesus. And it's yeah. easier to no, click, same. click, 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 click. And that's, yeah, it's that's easier it. to just pay 10.99 and not have to think about yeah. it. I'm very, I'm very anxious. About I paid shit $20 like that, to watch The Holy Mountain last night and, well, worth it. I'm going to watch it probably like 10 times. But let's say I didn't know that going in, 
I still probably would have paid that much money just because if it was a movie that someone had told me about. You know, I've been like, oh, I need to see it. And it's hard to get. There's no other like services that are streaming it right now. I couldn't figure this out. I'll just pay the 20 bucks. Well, I mean, and think about this, right? Like if you were to go to the movies right now, yeah. how much would it cost? Cost to get there, cost to park, maybe depending on where you're going. And minimum, and... I'm going to buy a drink because I need to have something to drink for an hour and a half, two hours minimum. So, I mean, I mean, even if you brought your Nalgene right whatever like you're still gonna be like even if you brought in your well they let me bring like i feel like in new mexico it's like against the law is that to have a water bottle i bring i mean i feel like if you bring in like the clear water bottles that it's like i was like totally an lg (laughs) and if they're gonna be cops about it you can be like cool i'll dump it but can i'm gonna refill it at your fucking water at your little stupid water thing and then i'm gonna berate you for not having the like automatic water bottle refiller thing actually, actually i'm gonna be like no fuck you actually for that i'm gonna give them shit i would the the violet crown is a place that should have bottle fillers they should just have those no you know what they have they have little tiny like pa- they have like paper cups That's or whatever right. like, and oh. then they make they make lime water and then they make like cucumber water oh, they always right. have at least two types of water right. it doesn't matter the even official. during the pandemic when things were like really hard to get to, they at least had lime and lemon water. And I was like, it's cute that they separated them to make us think that there's still like two different kinds or whatever. But those are totally the same kind, right? Like, let's not fuck around. I love that that's like Santa Fe. For anyone who's never been to Santa Fe, I'm about to reveal a little secret. That's the official flavored water of Santa Fe is cucumber water. It's like there's many places in town, whether it's a yoga studio, a workout place, 10,000 waves, yeah the spa I've, I've literally been to like yeah. my mechanic and he at least has like, a, no, like it's true the massage place that i used to go to had it it's crazy i don't know why i mean it's great i love it it's just a funny it's little because thing. water is life yeah but they had a little and, puke in there and when humidity out here is usually sta- see like right now it rained last night right it rained mm. it rained i there was a huge thunderstorm i I like Twitter cut it off at two seconds and then I reposted it at its full 38. I don't know how that happened. It was really glitchy. Twitter's breaking and yeah, dying. You know what's really That's funny? When story. I first saw it, it was only 22 seconds long. Weird. Yeah. I saw I don't know like what happened there. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, I posted the longer one and it was like really raining. Um, we were like, uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's, it's currently 84 degrees and 25 degree. 25% humidity out according to the little which fucking is like thing that I have bone out there. Dry which is compared like, to here. Just like bone dry. Yeah. And it rained for hours yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Like it would still, if I, I went to my grass right now, that happened here. I'd still be like, my feet would be soaking in the grass. Like, yeah, no, I, I went out there at like 7 a.m. Like just to see how the, the I, have, I have a couple of little like herb, herb like onions and shit growing uh-huh. out there hey, yeah. and i went out there and my like the little carpet that i have out there was all like ew it's wet and then i went out there like <laughs> 10 minutes ago before we started and yeah. shit it was like bone dry like, you, could, you could come back with dry socks yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh like, good the it's l- like a baseball diamond out there already i can do your washing and your <laughs> just leave it out there <laughs> throw my wet clothes in the in the dirt <sighs> Oh, my God. Anyway, so tech celibacy mm-hmm. was very critical to my success. Um, but I wanted to also tell you about the other one, which was the sexual celibacy I had. Yes. 
So I start graduates. So uh, um, through college, through after that, like I was I was dating, seeing people, living my life. Yeah. Like just because I had a tech disconnect, that actually made me live life a little bit better. I wasn't like, oh, I wonder what they're doing on the forum. I was like, no, I'm you in college. I'm going to go outside. Years there too. You missed some like years. It's fine. Don't worry about those yeah, years. Yeah, no, no, I don't care. See, yeah. that's the thing is that like it's, well, like it didn't matter. Like to yeah. me, it was still like a simulacrum of what life is, right? And like the only reason I I felt that I was online was because I had felt like caged, right? But mm. then once I'm like out of my parents' kind of domineering, kind of control freak life, right? And I'm on my own in college. I'm like, great. Like, I don't actually have to stay home anymore. Like, I may not have a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that I can't go out yeah. into the world somehow. Whether that was, I'm just going to spend my day reading at the library, but I'm not going to be spending it, like, at the screen. But at the library, I was like, huh. but there's my friend. There's that other person. We go out. We have a cigarette. We smoke for, like, a couple of minutes before we go in and continue working on our paper or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I was, like... I, I mean, I, I I felt, like, for me, very slowly, because I, I felt very socially awkward when I was in college, uh, because people may find... People who, know, who knew me in college may find this hard to believe, but, of course, I never talked about my experiences growing up, mm. like, mm. once I was there. Um, I had... I was at that point suffering from tremendous imposter syndrome because oh. everyone else is like, oh, like my like backup choice is Stanford. Um, and, you know, because some of some of the, some of them were like that and some of them were other otherwise just kind of weird weirdos like I was who were like, no, I was homeschooled and this place just sounded cool. Um, you know, shit like that. So there, it was like a good mix, I would say. But it's I still felt incredibly out of my element. There were only like three brown people at the school. So like, it's a very small school. Everyone knew each other. And um, so I just felt always really socially awkward. Um, just like, like, who are these people? I don't know how to be. I don't know how to be human. I yeah. spent my days locked in a room, right? Like kind of, <laughs> yeah. why don't you understand these jokes? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I, I, uh, uh, I can relate. So that's how I bit. felt. That's, how, that's yeah. absolutely how I felt. And uh, eventually, of course, I found I found my weirdos there. But I, I still felt yeah. very like awkward because otherwise there were other differences that I didn't understand. Right, like my my chick friends that I'm trying to be like, oh, like let's go like out and party like chicks and stuff. And I was like, I have no idea how to break my hair. Like no one ever like I. Like my mom so detested having to do anything with my hair that I always had like a short cut. Oh. And I like didn't have like any say in that until I was about fourteen or fifteen years old, which is insane, yeah. actually. Yeah. But yes. that is how I grew up. And so all of these girls were like, Oh, what do you mean like you don't know how to use your eyeliner? And I'm like, No, I really have no idea like what is eyeliner? And I felt like those weird Mormon homeschooled kids that were also there except they were like continuing to do that right they were like oh no like i don't use that shit and i was like well why not like you're you're not there anymore you're not like you're over here they don't fucking know unless you tell them at this point that you're ooh, wearing the devil's eyeliner or whatever you know like <laughs> what the fuck do you want me to say to y'all you know like it just felt very backwards to me but i also felt like i didn't know what i was doing 
right? And all of these other kids were able to say shit like, oh, well, we went to summer camp and we're used to like group showers stations and shit. I'm like, this is weird. You get like, you're okay with shitting while someone's in the shower over there? Because it was like dorm living, right? And I yeah. was like amazed. I was, I was like, white people are okay with this? Like, I'm because we would rather go to the outhouse at my grandmother's house than dare go in and shit while someone's in the <laughs> shower. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Shit. so I was experiencing all kinds of culture shock and imposter because I was like imposter syndrome. I'll I was like, listen okay, to I guess every word of it you want to tell me, Kathy. Please. <laughs> um. Anyway, so once I get out, I'm I, like out of that. Uh, anyway, so I enjoyed myself because I wasn't online. But of course, what I re re really uh, regret on some level is I didn't really. I don't know that I did a great job of documenting my memories exactly of everything that I went through. Hmm. Maybe we can do some of that like, theoretical, psychological uh, diving back and we can take some <laughs> yeah. acid or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Um, and uh... yeah, I could probably pull up some memories. I I've, I've done enough to know that that does help me pull stuff up if I want yeah. to pull it up. And usually yeah. it helps me get it on the right path as soon as it comes up. Like I, it usually doesn't, it's usually like immediately positively helpful. Like I don't have to have this like, ooh, spooky, dark journey. It just like, it's like, oh, wow. It's like, that's a fun realization all that stress all of a sudden is gone now um, i'm lucky that way i don't know all these people talk about bad trips and all this stuff i never have had that i've experience. never had one never never had one no. god bless god god knock wood. all the crying i, I ever had was like oh my god i can't believe that i know this now holy shit yeah right so it felt like it felt like an epiphany yeah yeah truly it was happiness ultimately um and then in like i don't know i don't remember the year exactly oh seven maybe uh Anyway, I, I, I had started dating someone in like 04 or 05. Then we saw each other for a couple of years and they wanted to get a little bit more serious in our relationship. And, um, but I was teaching by this time. I was like establishing myself not in my career, not only as like, let's say a teacher, but also like as a like teacher of teachers. I was like leading professional development modules if i can put it like that for other teachers i was really good at it i had like a knack um and that's that. like kind of cool so i was like so my career was also like kind of growing in that way i was getting um more involved with the union which is actually how i first started getting involved with the union was actually me sharing curriculum with other schools because i was in curriculum wow. development so i was doing social justice mathematics if i can put it that way and I, I, these, these lessons were so good and so innovative, I guess, that I like, I, you know, because there was like a showcase essentially. And they were like, oh, this shit's really cool. Would you like to share this with other union schools that are interested in these kinds of topics? I was like, absolutely. Like, so I would go like, oh, today I'm doing a workshop on how to use maps in like innovative ways in your math class and how these social studies concepts could, could then be related to mathematical ones and you're essentially bringing in literacy and history to a math class can i just say so that giving yeah i finally completely understand you like this now i, I feel like this was the missing piece and now i finally <laughs> understand you kathy like i finally <laughs> really I, this is it no i i mean like i feel like no like um not <laughs> that it's no it's like what you just told me like that um i get it now like i i don't know something just clicked in my mind like i i feel like 
anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what I did. That's how it started. And so I was starting to grow in I didn't my mean career. To cut you off. And this... I just had to like, spit no, that a... out. <laughs> this... okay. It overcame Thank me. <laughs> no, good. We're we're having a holy mountain here, yeah, right? Truly. We're we're communing essentially, yes. right? We're we're drinking ayahuasca together and <laughs> rocking of... back and forth. <laughs> Same amount of coffee. <laughs> no, exactly correct. Lots of vaping. Yes, we are doing a lot of it's... ritualistic <laughs> it is true. breathing. There was that that's right. <laughs> Wow. It's sick, Brian. It's sick as fuck. But you're right. No, this is this is the communing part, right? Like, uh -huh. well, th these are, I think, also my regrets, right? Like, some of this, like, openness, like, the ability to speak so, for example, the ability to speak so openly about uh, my childhood sexual assault, let's say, and uh, childhood sexual abuse, rather, um, has come after years and years and years of like therapy and like coping and processing and like internal reflection and meditation, right? I wasn't prepared to do that when I was 18, 19, 20 and 21 years old in college. Like, so I feel like I also missed out on a lot of being able to build a lot of really truly pers personal relationships with people because that's the kind of like intimacy you need to have, right? Yeah. But I was like a fucking fire hose, right? People are like, I can't believe my dad got me that like 1997 Corolla instead of the like 2001 Corolla. And I'm like, I can't relate to that problem, yo. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm like, I don't know if I can tell you about like domestic violence if that's like the, I, I don't know. Like, it was yeah. very. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you know what it happened? No, so I was very similar that way about different things that happened in my life and, and mostly things that happened around in my immediate family and stuff, um, which was very, it just created a very chaotic household where like no one really knew where anyone stood. Everyone was always arguing all the time. And it was always one thing or another in that it was, you know, in the past, let's say it's all what it is. Right. But it was a very intense situation. And, um, Anytime anyone else would talk about you, much like you just said, they're like worrying about, you know, having 50 bucks to buy like a new video game or, or like, I don't know. It's like, or I mean, even if there were conflicts, right, they would be what I would describe as the like normal sitcom conflict that is going to be a part of like normal teenager and parenting. And this was something that I always was trying to like. It was television and media that was helping me process what normal teenager rebellion actually was and wasn't, right? Like, so if um, if you're arguing maybe about whether curfew should be 11.30 or 1 o'clock, that's kind of normal, right? Yeah. Like, you're 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 maybe trying to establish that you you can deal with a little bit more responsibility your parent is saying i'm not quite sure yet you're saying but it's homecoming and your mom is saying well that's precisely why you have to be home at 11 because i don't want you out with the kids who are going to be drinking right like there is a power struggle there but it's completely within the realm of reasonable still right What's not in the realm of reasonable is, no, you can't go to homecoming at all. You can't wear that outfit and you can't wear makeup and you can't talk to boys, right? Like now we're starting to get into the realm of completely unreasonable, right? So that that was how I started to kind of frame the conflicts that my friends would describe with their parents. So like it was like, yeah. oh, that sounds like a very dysfunctional relationship. I can understand that right. much more. 
But the like, I'm having a leave it to beaver type of conflict with my parent. I'm like, I don't understand that at all. I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, that's the biggest conflict you have. Because if I were in that household, I don't feel like that would be a conflict. That would be like, no, I'm going to have to give this up to the fact that I am under 18. You are paying my bills. And I'm going to have to just fucking suck this up until I leave. Right? Because that a, a curfew is one thing. Right? But like bodily control is a completely other one right like domestic violence is a completely different other one and like they feel much like those charts like just fucking worlds apart right like worlds apart like oh no there is simply no if that's your biggest problem you're never gonna understand me no way yeah no i i completely get what you're saying i always felt like that was a roadblock to making like uh real friendships as i was like a teen Mm -hmm. and older uh, was that like everyone else's either it would be two things their life I would either end up overloading them with like everything that ever happened to me in my life not the wise choice or the other unwise choice which is pretend like that never even existed and I'm just the only time that I've ever existed as a person is the time that they knew me those are the okay. two things I've usually gone okay. to in the past now there's mm-hmm. something in the middle, there's something else entirely, there's many other things entirely mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And I've only learned those things recently. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It takes it, it takes practice, man, too. Yeah. I mean, because it it is a lot of things, right? It is also like all of the uh, I was I was talking to my partner about it recently because we are you know in the process of joining our lives together and i was like oh yeah I'm like I, it's very complicated for me because i feel like i can talk shit about my parents up and down all day i would go ahead and do that i'm like but if i were to hear someone else like talking shit about them i'd be like you better fucking shut the fuck up before i punch you in the face like you better take that back like no one says that about my parents you know like it's so true and it's so weird it's so weird because i still like even if I'm like, yeah, that motherfucker is dead and I'm glad he is, like, I just want them to say, like, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. But if they were like, yeah, fuck him, I'm like, oh, no, that's too far. You, can- you can't say, like, I can say, it, you know, I don't know. That's not true, though. Like, like, because it, because like, like, no, yeah, fuck him. Fuck that, right? Like, that is a bad, it's like what we were talking about last week, right? Why shouldn't we be able to say, yeah, I'm glad that person isn't hurting you anymore. That that fucking sucks, right? Like, so I struggle with that still because I don't know what forgiveness is. I don't understand that either. And I, I may never, uh, but I, that's a different story, too. I feel you <laughs> on that. I feel like a lot of in the since you talked about that last week a little bit or maybe it was the week before. I can't actually remember um, just for the concept of forgiveness is a or redemption even. Um, <laughs> it made me think of like. Yeah, like whose responsibility is it in like what situation is it ours? And then like as a group, as a society, then it's like a different question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we just not like we take a vote on things as a society. It's just a, a result that occurs to people as a society chooses whether or not someone's doing something good or bad. It's, it's I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Group psychology is something I've been interested in lately how consensus is formed between individuals and stuff so are are you aware of the word upstander no okay so you are aware of the word bystander yes that would be so 
And ob so, so you, so, yeah. so you've probably heard, and I, I believe it's true. I don't think it's just an old wives' tale or an urban legend, but you've often heard this idea that in an emergency, uh, people will often not call nine one one because they think someone else would have already done it. And so there is a there is a tendency to inaction mm. in those situations. Yeah. Not because they're like, oh, I don't want to get involved. It's because they've developed this story that someone else has already done it, so they don't need to. Someone else has already been a good person, so I don't need to call 911 also. And the thing is, is that's false. Right. Of course it's false. No one's done it yet. You don't know that anyone's done it yet. It's not like you showed up and a guy's on the phone yelling, I'm with 911. Go help those people over there, right? That's a different scenario. Yeah. I heard that you say, I can see him on the phone. He's like, I got them right here. What else? Start chest compressions. Does anyone know CPR? That's what would happen in that real scenario, right? But if you're thinking, oh, I saw a car accident on the side of the road, why would you think someone has called 911? How do you know that those people are okay? How do you know that anyone else is driven right beside you? How do you know that the car next to you is doing it? You don't fucking know. So you pick up the phone and you start dialing 911, right? So I do that. I did that a lot in California. A lot. I would uh, I would see a car weaving in and out, but I wouldn't necessarily assume they were drunk. I might think they were having a medical emergency. Mm. It's like 10 a.m. Why would they? Why would they be drunk on the freeway, right? right they're they more likely they're having time. a fucking stroke. That's yeah. what's more likely, right? Let's again, like in the realm of likelihood, that's 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 more likely than probably a drunk driver at 10 a.m. It's not a drunk driver as I'm leaving the Staples Center at 1 1 a.m. after the Laker game. I'm more likely to encounter a drunk driver in that moment, right? That's right. that's just contextual, right? So I can I can evaluate a risk and go, what's what's that thing? And I would, if I saw that shit, I would always dial 911. And I would be like, hey, I'm actually dialing you from the car, which I know I shouldn't be doing, but I'm doing it because I think I'm seeing an actual emergency. I am on highway whatever. I am at exit this, and I'm going northbound. I'm, I, We're moving. And this car is in front of me, and it is a blah, 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 and it's weaving in and out of traffic, and it looks like something is really wrong. You need to fucking do something. Why would I assume that someone had already called? I would rather they have 5, 10, 20 reports of that so that nobody fucking misses it, right? So that if somebody called when that person was 10 exits back or there was an interchange, they now know where that person is. How Even if someone had already called, right? Like, it's just insane, right? Um, public safety, right? Every... I. I'm not, and I'm not saying this to be all like, look at what a good person I am. It's because like yeah. having heard that most people don't do that, I then heard the word upstander. And I've heard this in like self-defense classes. I've heard this in like social justice spaces. I've heard this in classrooms to describe the fact that when you are the adult in the room and you hear a kid call another kid a faggot, you as the adult in the room are supposed to step into that situation and fuck you if you don't right if you heard it and you don't get involved you are letting that shit happen and so in my classroom that shit never slipped like it never ne you could not get away with it and i would tell like i would take that kid aside we'd have real conversations 
But there would be, I, I, they'd be like, well, you can't tell me what to think. I'm like, you're fucking right, but I can tell you what to say in my classroom at least. And I don't give a fuck what you think about it. You will not do it. And there was, you know, you'd have that little struggle with them because they're like, oh, are you a fascist? And I'd be like, I don't know. I'm not the one trying to defend faggot here, kid. So, <laughs> right? Like, I had high school kids, so I could actually talk to them like that, right? Because, right? like, I, I didn't care, but it was like, but I'm the adult. So I'm like, kind of being like, no, more importantly, even if that kid doesn't see me do it, the other fucking kids are seeing me do it. And that's what's important. That's what fucking matters. It doesn't matter with that little fucking kid getting called out of class for calling the kid to Because he's like, even if he's like, oh, I'm just fucking joking and I'm going to continue being a dipshit. I'm like, cool, but I'm going to make you look like a dipshit in front of all of your peers. Right. They're going to walk around going, that kid isn't safe to talk to if I'm queer. We're all going to know it now. I now know that this adult actually is safe to talk to if I'm queer. So that's a mental note I filed away. Yeah. And then all of those kids get to know like, oh, no, that and they'll know like, oh, he's just an edgelord. And they'll be like, OK, cool. He might be an edgelord and he may not really mean it, but he is still that kind of person. So they get to fight that out. Right. But I don't stand for it. So that's an upstander. An upstander will also do that in public. And that's what's scary. You see, because in a teacher-student situation, you're automatically the person of authority in that situation because you're the adult in the room. Yeah. So it's easy to be the bystander, and that's why it's shocking to me. Or I'm sorry, it's easy to be the upstander in that situation, and yet so many adults still choose to bystand, and that's what's offensive to me. So in my curriculum, that was also what we talked about. Like, no, you, you're the adult. You have the authority and the power in that room. So you act like you do. Um, you fake it till you make it, right, yeah. anyway. But no, that's hard I mean... to do in a public space when everyone's just some asshole. Right. But the thing is, is it's the same exact mentality. You're doing it to shame them in front of their fucking peers. That's the point. Because what you're also saying is signaling to all of everyone else in this community, we don't put up with this shit, period, punto acabado, right? So I'm going to tell you another thing that happened wow. to me, and it was when I was in law school. I was on the train and I was um, uh, the, the New Mexican rail runner and it goes from Santa Fe to Albuquerque down to Belen, past Albuquerque. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And when I was in law school, I decided I wanted to take it to class every single day. And so I commuted every single day. And that meant that I had to develop a practice and a discipline of getting up at 5 a.m to make the 520 train, to be able to then come home on the like 6.30 train, arrive at my home by eight o'clock, but never ever touch a vehicle. Brian, this was my goal the entire time. Yeah. Um, and it was like a fun game. And I was like, no, nah, this is badass. I get to read on, like, I'm not worried about traffic. I'm not worried about gas, but I'm getting to class more prepared than anyone else. Cause this is all I'm doing is reading on the fucking train. It was a beautiful period of time in my life, but law school sucked. That's not the point. I was on the train every day, and every day I was reading. Every day I was sitting there with my coffee and my little croissant. I'm like, living oh, my best fucking life, wow. let me tell you. I love that. But because I was reading, I was in the quiet Because the New Mexican Rail Runner does this brilliant thing where they have a quiet car, regardless of how many other cars there are. So, um, usually there's three, so it doesn't really matter. It's plenty of space. None of them are hardly ever full anyway, but yeah. on the quiet car, that's the rule. Headphones in, 
conversations to a minimum and if you are talking it's very like brief and you know kind of shit right uh you have um you might have a mom who brings her baby in there who is sleeping but will get up and fucking leave the moment the kid wakes up right because that's the culture i like the respect of the, the quiet respect, car yeah the culture of respect of the quiet car you would i would take phone calls and i would get on my headset like my bluetooth like my little like my little earphones and i'd be like give me a moment and i'd walk out to the next car yeah and then i'd be like okay what's up i can talk to you now yeah like like i would not no none of us would it was like you're going to the library it was like all these other people like some of them were sleeping some of them were trying to nap you could see they were working class people like no i'm not gonna violate them so one day brian of course, into this beautiful, awesome community space where we all follow the rules and love one another and take care of one another and look <laughs> after each other's stuff, right? Because you always had that one person you knew that you could lock eyes with and be like, hey, can you look at my shit while I take this call out there? And you would you'd get the light. Gotcha. It was beautiful, Brian. It was a beautiful ecosystem. I Oh, paradise here on earth brian it is possible i tell you i know it's possible. it is so into the space one day walked in a man with a woman and their child mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no problem mm -hmm. no problem whatsoever they come in they sit down they take the table the child while excited is babbling but quietly like they're old enough that they're like oh okay i get it we're like you know so she gets it right she, she must be this little tiny child but like i don't know five six years old okay okay and when she does say something she's like look mommy look mommy right okay. so like okay. it's like and she's pointing out looking at a horsey uh -huh. most of us have headphones in anyway so this is literally not a disruption whatsoever okay none of this is a problem all of us are even kind of like smiling because it's kind of cute, right? Like all the all the regulars, you can see them kind of put their shit down for a second and go, oh, is that sweet? A couple of minutes go by again, no problems whatsoever. A couple of stops. People are starting to come onto the train more and more. Um, and I guess these people just didn't realize that they were actually on the quiet car despite this. So at some point, the man in the situation and i of course say that with like pejorative right the man in this situation just like turns to the lady and is like blah 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 blah, blah. and is like normal voice hey, blah 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 we have to blah 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 don't forget the blah you know like i don't know what the fuck he's saying he's not saying anything of importance to me right i'm not eavesdropping but i am hearing the peanut voice of wah, 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 wah. Thank you. That was a good that was a good impression. I like that one. Thank you. Thank Kathy you. even did the thing where the mouth doesn't match up with the voice, which was extra fun. That was extra fun. That was just for me. <laughs> yeah, no one else saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but you witnessed it, which is impossible. See, but you witnessed I perceived it, which is it even. You perceived it. So okay, so this dude, he is so he is he is like he's so obnoxious. But I I, I I'm gonna go ahead and hand it to him that he's oblivious and maybe the 
the wife noticed maybe the kid is just used to whispering i don't fucking know right i don't i don't make assumptions about people all i know is that he's want want wanting away so um i noticed that like i'm like well you know we're only kind of starting to make the first few stops we still have a few stops before we really kind of get chug a chug a lug and a along conductor's still coming around to like hey where's your fucking ticket because we're like on the start of our journey right so whatever nbd i'm still not being that that asshole right but as it kind of keeps going like now the regulars keep going like this dude clearly doesn't know that he's on the fucking quiet car so i as i, I like all of these other people like again these are now regulars so at some point I've spoken to some of these people, at least on a very superficial level. And this one works at that office and that one works at the Veterans Affairs. And this person, you know, uh, does X, Y, Z down, you know, whatever. Yeah, They're all, we start all get to know each other. They know me as the law student because they oh. know that I'm always reading and they are curious. Wow. And sometimes they like are train like cheers. <laughs> Yeah, it's like train cheers. That's right, Brian. It was a very beautiful point of time. It's gorgeous. I really cannot paint a better picture. That is correct. I. But we wouldn't talk to now. each other. That's what's hilarious, right? Yeah. Like we would, we would like, we would have this conversation <laughs> while we're standing waiting for the quiet car. You see. Yeah. And it's like, oh, hey, you're on the train today. Oh, yeah, no, last week I kind of had the flu, but I'm feeling better now. Nice to see you again, Jim. How's the VA going for you today? Yeah. Right? So we'd have that. Con oh, how's class? And I was like, oh, actually, we got today to a case that involved a veteran. Right? Like, Occasionally I a retired baseball pitcher shows up. Yeah, no, exactly. Sam Malone walks in. Yeah, and Malone actual Ted Danson every once in a while takes the train. Oh. Hey, this guy. Oh, look at this asshole. Yeah. Come on over here, man. Right? So, no, that's exactly yeah. what it was like. Um, and, uh, and then we'd get on the quiet car and then not say a fucking word to each other. That's, again, part of the culture of the quiet car. So, they know me as the law student. And so... I'm kind of young. I've got a nice, friendly face, yes. right? So I'm a non-threatening person is kind of the bottom line. And so I go over there and I go, hey, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry if you're not aware, but this is actually the quiet car. I'm like, and on this particular car, you know, talking and loud noises, so phone calls and things of that sort, they're not really allowed. Um, but all of those other cars... That are all the way the fuck over there or i didn't say it like that either but i was like you know but all the cars over there are i'm very friendly right when i want to be yeah and he's like oh well uh, uh, i don't know what the fuck he says right but he he isn't actually responsive he's not he's not like okay thank you i understand now he kind of like is like a smart ass oh but i'm like i kind of like just let it go and i look at the wife and i look at the kid who is, i mean it's mm. like again it's at this point it's kind of obvious that it's like a whole deal and i look at the and the wife has this look like she is mortified like she cannot yeah. believe that someone had to come over here and tell us something right and um and you're not about to like let them be hit by verbal blood spray no <laughs> i mean like yeah and so <laughs> i'm like like but i'm not taking it and besides there's like other regulars right around us right the, the train car isn't a huge space mm -hmm. so you can't do anything in it without other people noticing what's happening even if they're pretending to mind their own fucking business everybody can see everything let's not be foolish so right. 
Uh, other regulars are seeing me do this, but again, the regulars know me as this person. This is who I am. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Like, oh, hey, uh, you, that there's water on that seat. You don't want to sit there. You should probably move, and we should let everyone else know. Right? Like, it just, I, I, I inevitably kind of fell into, like, the trusted mom. Not mom, but, like, it was just, like, she's cool like whatever we can all chat we're all looking out for each other and but that culture was already there i wasn't like there were plenty of regulars that existed on that train before i got there right it's not like right. i was uh creating it it was already there i just kind of blended into it and we all kind of fell into these kinds of roles right yeah it's a little um, there was one of the old guys there he knew the timetable like to shit you know oh. like so he was like he was like oh we're like two minutes late and so you, you could always tell when we were a little late because he was just like, mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like but like again like yeah like train cheers okay so yeah i love it we all kind of have each other's back right so not only did he give me a smart ass remark, but because I have a reputation on this train, I just kind of let it go. And I was like, well, thank you so much for being understanding. I kind of changed my tone a little, but I was like, don't worry. Like the conductor's going to come by and I'm going to be like, this dude's being a dickhead. So, you know, mm -hmm. again, the conductor knows me because we are the conductor. And I actually talked a lot about D&D &D at that time, because at that cool. time I was part of a D&D &D podcast, which oh, is nice. another different but um Kathy, you're gonna... he saw he saw me yeah. with my fucking dungeon guide or whatever and he was like right but like totally platonic just totally chill again yeah. everyone was chill nobody violated train code okay <laughs> until this asshole yeah as i'm walking away under his breath whispers bitch and okay i just so, want to say i haven't said that word in over a decade at least so i oh, i say it hearing, all the time i you it would be difficult for you to get me to say it even as a joke mm. so yes mm. it hurts well me. let's for i i i frequently call people little bitches i have i personally Congratulations! You made it to our shores. Oh, this deserves a toast. You're not the first to come to Lotus Island in search of the Holy Mountain. Ah, I drink alone. Because newcomers are always abstainers. In time they realize that the best liquor in the world is at the Pantheon Bar. Come, come, come. I have everything. Food, drinks, beds, baths, men, women. Illustrious travelers came here to find the holy mountain, but they preferred the Pantheon Bar. The real holy mountain is here, in my words, in my poems. If I write rose, it blooms in my hand, and the bees come to feed on my poetry. Oops!
our bees make honey, but your flies make shit. The cross was a mushroom. And the mushroom was also the tree of good and evil. The philosophical stone of the alchemists was LSD. The Book of the Dead is a trip. And the apocalypse describes a masculine experience. In these flasks are all the holy mountains. And in this beautiful young man is eternity. To conquer a mountain is easy. I can go through solid matter. <coughs> Nothing stops me! In a minute I will cross the holy mountain! Wait for me here! I got to the other side of the mountain in less than a minute! How long till you reach the summit? Oh no! I can only advance horizontally! And that's enough! From bottom to top, I can't do! But anyway, I am a champion! I have conquered the holy mountain horizontally! Horizontally! I am a champion! I am a champion! I founded the academy! I give me awards! Here you can win a trophy every year! Idiots! You don't know what you are losing! You could have made history, and we are already forgetting you! We created a love machine. To make it live, the spectator has to work with it, guide it, Receive it. Give himself in the act of love. With this electronic rod, he will rub its mechanical vagina. The skill of the spectator will determine the machine's ability to reach a climax. Chauffeur is a bad lover. He didn't know how to satisfy it. But this woman, I know her techniques very well, will produce the electronic orgasm. Frigid! Thank <laughs> you. 
afraid of falling. What frightens you is climbing. Rob, your clitoris against the mountain! You're terrified of success. Give yourself to the world! Jokey. Recenter myself here. So we got oh, an no, hour and forty-seven. So when I when I said we started recording, whenever that was, that was we got an hour mm -hmm. and forty-seven from there. And I don't know. Yeah. That's okay. It goes till it goes. Oh, I just love that discussion that we had so much. I took extensive notes on our discussion. So. Well, are we recording now? Yes. Uh, well. Yes, we are. Okay, perfect. Well, dear dear listener. <sighs> oh well. We lost a little bit. That's okay. That's true. We talked. But from wherever we left off, we probably talked about a bunch of shit. But nothing that well, like we most recently we just did that little Jodorowsky. Oh, it was so good too. Summary. But you know, well, I, I don't know. Nothing a Wikipedia yeah, isn't going to give you. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. You got to hear our enthusiasm and our excitement and stuff, but I haven't even really started talking about the film. And I'm sure there was something else before that. that and we this were is the meat. So this well. is the meat. And this is it. Don't worry, we were here. We heard it, and we know what happened, and, and we'll catch you up if there's anything you need to know. And you won't, so it's okay. Yeah, it's... And I still took extensive Just, you know, just, just pretend we're on train cheers, and you've just come into the conversation midway through. Thanks Thank for joining us. Thank you for joining us. It's train cheers. So, I watched a film called The Holy Mountain. We talked about it a little bit, and now I'm at the point where I'm going to talk about it, so pretend I just uh, started talking about it right now. Um, Yay! So uh, something that came to me immediately, uh, besides the fact that I wanted to watch a bunch of other films by this uh, esteemed director, was that um, it displayed to me that, um, like, there is recognition of, like, almost a fetishization of, like, totems and icons and symbology, like... I mean, obviously, the entire thing is, like, crazy metaphor. I love that the way that they used violence in, like, this paint-colored paint way. And this, it was all... It was perfect. The whole way through, I was like, I got it immediately. I was like, okay, I understand it, what it's for, what everything is doing. And I, like, saw... There's... I'm trying to think about how to explain it to someone who, like, was just listening. If the point of film... And I'll get to the ending as well. Uh, if the point of film is to make you feel a certain way and 
that's basically the point of any story anyone ever tells is to make you feel a way to either convince you to do something or you know try to tell you something i guess give you a message whatever it is this is an example of a movie that is it's almost like trying to show you like everything that can be done with film it's almost like summed mm-hmm. up at the end like it wants to do the entire in, in like everything everything you can do in a film in one movie and i thought that that was like done shockingly even though it looked like an insane amount of work it was done shockingly simply and shockingly easily like there's no way like imagine this like here's what i'm gonna describe you've never seen this film i'm gonna describe the basis of this don't have to understand the plot and i'm actually gonna talk about the plot i'm just gonna give you the metaphor i'm gonna give you the metaphor of the film and also many it, before I describe this I'm going to make a lot of comparisons to other films remember this film came out a long time ago so these films are not are probably doing with even homage they're not borrowing from they're not like copying they're actually saying I love and respect this and so and I know this is a filmmaker and I'm going to spend a lot of money taking this little bit of the metaphor and putting this in my film so when I say that the beginning of the movie is basically Mad Max Fury Road when everyone's like trying to like come up to get the you know Aquacola be released by uh you know out down to everyone everyone's holding up their baskets and stuff the whole scene you're seeing there the george miller casting choices and stuff that's all got to be inspired by what's going on here like no doubt and so that's the situation that we're dealing with at the beginning it's trying to show that in some places in society at x point in time we're not exactly sure it's definitely the you know it's like the it's max hedrum it's like uh alternate today 15 minutes into the future as they said there um let me just make sure also now i'm like paranoid okay so it's recording okay <laughs> just had to do that at least once um and we're treated to the harsh realities of a world like that which is supposed to exist in a world where the things that we have today also still exist. It's just that for the large part of humanity, I assume the metaphor was saying, or it doesn't even matter how much of humanity, but enough of humanity to make the point that alongside quote unquote civilized society and, you know, where the space that we occupy, as long as we're using the internet and uh, eating the food that we get from grocery stores and stuff like that, we occupy a space that alongside us is another world entirely and though it may seem like escape to watch a film to move away from where you are but I think this film is about showing you exactly where we are like it it didn't even it, it goes further than predicting reality of today and in fact there are several scenes in this film that reflect both the reality of reality television in a world where that wasn't even a nascent thing there is it reflects the way that we view stardom and film this is my art factory yeah this is my art factory i mean i here i have all i'm just gonna go down my notes let me let me read because i can tell you this without even it doesn't also let me stop there's no plot anyway really Uh, ultimately the plot is very important but it's also barely there so Mm -hmm. but here here it be okay here be the plot because i've seen it 
500 million yeah, times Kathy, i think i could like i i think i could summarize it uh, in just like a paragraph yes okay go ahead uh i'm getting stuck in the details uh we start essentially in this modern society that is like 15 minutes into the future and in amongst the people the hoi polloi the grouping of this any town in the world right. emerges a single solitary individual yes who is curious and notices the world maybe is a little different than maybe the way it's being perceived or experienced by others around him right. uh and he is shall we say a christ-like figure and at some point, this Christ-like figure arrives and he meets what we can only call a guru or in to actually more, uh, to actually Jodorowsky it, Jodorowsky titles this master, teacher, guru kind of person. He calls him the alchemist. So this Jesus-like figure encounters the alchemist and the alchemist says, hey, you're just a guy. You're a guy. You're just a guy. But you're really powerful. Like, and so if you get all of these assholes together, if you go to all of these other powerful people and you bring them all together and you like kind of Voltron together, there's nothing you guys couldn't accomplish. Uh, but we're going to have to go through this like intense training session. What do you think? And Jesus guy goes thumbs up. That sounds like a good idea. So then the second bit of the movie begins essentially where we see this Jesus-like figure going around recruiting these various individuals that are named after planets and things of that sort uh, for like, I guess, spiritual psychedelic reasons, whatever. Jorowski is huge on the tarot and astrology and all of this mysticism shit as, yes. as personally. <clears throat> so they... The tarot will help you create a soul, mm -hmm. as he says. Mm-hmm. So he, he takes all that and, you know, that's a lot of the imagery that he uses in, in these in, in, in this uh, next bit where this Jesus creature, Jesus character, goes around collecting all of these disciple slash group Voltron characters and they all assemble. And then they're like, hey, uh, actually, we think we know who is like in charge of all of this like bad shitty shit, oppression and stuff. Why don't we go like why don't we go try to attain the wisdom of these most holy and powerful men? And then their journey begins. And that journey begins maybe about three quarters of the way through the movie. But that's like getting us to the main climax of the film, which I will now at this point leave to Brian. By this point, of course, I've assumed you've all paused us, mm -hmm. gone to go see the Holy Mountain Please. and then come back. Okay, got it. Okay, Brian. Okay, so the uh, basically the end of the film unravels into looking at if the movie was uh, a metaphor about many things at the end, and it was for a reader to interpret what they want at the very mm -hmm. end, it becomes like what's the word? Cinema verite. I mean, literally, I guess, since the director is the man talking to you at that point. He like pulls back the camera literally by saying that, like, which is incredible. Um, and then, so it's not just like in a let's say in a comedy or or something, you know. I don't know. There's there's a concept where people have probably imitated this in other forms, but I have to imagine this was like beyond bizarre when that happened. Whenever this was originally made, this had to be like 
really almost disturbing in a way is actually kind of what I was trying to like feel what happened, like what that would be like to see like a movie set all of a sudden inside of a film or you're sitting in a theater, you're subjected to this. You can't pause. There's no like all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck, what the hell? Also, the whole plot has been leading up to a certain point, which then like doesn't happen. So and what is that point? Right. We're supposed to go to the holy mountain and find these holy men. Right. What do they find? Do, do they? Oh, oh, by the way, I mean, I, I glossed over the plot, but I certainly don't want to gloss over, like, what your feelings were of the plot up to then, right? Because that's just like that's just the very like bam. So like, what of those other things kind of also stood out before we even get to the very very end? Uh, the, if any, the journey along well, a lot of things I would say along the journey. Um, there was a point at which I mean, ultimately, let's if we're talking about a master and like a student being taught and and we are kind of standing in we're being kind of taught the lessons that the the student is being taught uh, as the alchemist is teaching all these things they're just saying things basically and the viewer mm -hmm. or the christ-like figure is kind of absorbing them um these are clearly like at the point at which you get to the end of the film and you are ready to see that not only was there nothing to conquer except themselves and destroying a sense of self and recognizing that like group establishing group and making change within first of all establishing change within yourself and destroying the idea of self in a metaphorical sense, you need to, I would say this, <laughs> Hold on. if there's anything to take away from the ending, it would be that you need to be your own hero. Essentially, you need to kill your heroes and become exactly what you want. You just need to do the things. I don't know. It's, it's very hard because it, there's different layers. And it's also saying at some point that it's going to be immensely difficult to become what you want to be. And it, it should be worth it. It's hard to even decide. I mean, I don't even know if it's commenting on that, but it should be immensely difficult to become the person you want to be, I think. But I also think it's a lot easier than we think it is, right? Because that's, well, I feel, also what he was trying yes. to say. It's is a that comforting all of message. That the difficulty is that that's all an illusion too, right? Yeah. We don't actually have to go collect these 12 champions of industry and and war and mercantilism and art, and cult, right? But like what he is what he's basically saying though is that like but, but we influence those things. We're we're the makers of those things. We're the filmmakers. We're the music makers. We're the dreamers of the dream, right? So that's the power that we have, right? That's the difference between bystanding and upstanding. We have the power to make sure that our little train cheers never gets fucked with, Brian. It just can't. Not because of me, right? But because we've made a, a, a dedication to our collective entity of the people on that train. Like, we never, we never took ayahuasca. We never rocked back and forth and did breathing exercises, right? We never did some ritual of burning all of our possessions and uniting as one. We didn't do that, right? But somehow we did do that 
because consciously that's why we all had our back and we were like no dude you don't get to be the asshole who comes in and fucks up our beautiful little place here we have this little eden and we're hanging out right like we're not being extravagant we're not like desecrating the pantheon we're not like we're not like having weird orgies in the street like we're just hanging out being people like you want to be people with us or do you want to be a dickhead right like yeah you like checked away the established peace and put it at risk to fix the situation and then it came back but we have that power right, right. and we think we don't right like there there is that that's the thing is there is no director who's going to come in and interrupt the scene and say let's do that one over right no we do it we do it as there is no actor there is no director right there it's just us and we just live our lives and we have to that's why our daily lives i think have to feel like a movie to us i but it's not a movie it's real it's just a real thing but we get but we have to kind of plan it that way is i think also what he's saying we have to be intentional right like that is uh, yeah the fridge doesn't clean itself the uh mm. you know the mouth doesn't feed itself right uh, yeah. i can't do it by myself necessarily either right i don't feed myself exactly I i'm able to feed myself because so many others have collaborated to the effort of making sure I am fed. That's the grocery store worker. That's the farm worker. That's the trucker guy who brought all the produce, right? I did not do it by myself, fundamentally. Exactly. And a... I have to remember that. That's it. Even if they're not there and I can't see them, they're there. That's the quote in the film. You want to know the secret, but man can achieve nothing by himself. And in that word, and I actually even wrote like a note next to that, that singularly knowing all is impossible. So therefore, without a group, you could not even know everything. Without society, you could not have the knowledge that we have together. And even each of us individually have contributed some amount to that growth of knowledge. It's a small amount. But all together, that's how we have what we know. It's not just the news or media. Any little factoid or bit or existence or number in the phone book or anything like that we've all contributed in this like mass way to the amount of information that we know and through knowledge we can gain understanding of the world but we only through sharing what we've learned or being an example to others through action i love him i mm -hmm. love him so much he has a book on tarot which is also really gorgeous gorgeous the fish. You're gonna you're gonna love diving into his I whole love deal. this quote here. I'll, I'll read it. a few of my fun quotes here that I wrote down. The fish thinks about his hunger, not the fisherman. It's really interesting. Um, let's see. What else did I write down here directly? Oh, there was one shot. Uh, uh, I noticed you could see the director of photography in that like mirror cube room. Did you notice that? You can see him like wearing a suit and glasses like behind the camera like this. <laughs> Is it, I looked for it because whenever there's mirrors in a movie, I always look for that. And I was like, oh, not here, not here. Perfect, yeah. good, good. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Crouched down, I loved it. Um, let's see, I have so many notes here. Uh, oh, I loved, I loved his uh, big speech here at the beginning when he's like introducing all the industrialists. He says, to accomplish your alchemical work, you will have these companions. There are thieves like you, but on another level. And then there's like a really strong musical cue that I just like, I was like, oh, this is anyone who's not paying attention. Listen, start listening right now. 
They're, mo they're the most powerful people on the planet, industrialists and politicians. But then they kind of go on that, like, I guess only like two of them are politicians. There was, um, there was one other question that I had, and I didn't understand in the context of the film, but his, like, uh, like knowing assistant, is there a described role that she has other than, like, his, like, knowing? Okay. Right, and I don't remember seeing anything in the, um, what's it called? Uh, like, she's never described. Credits. I don't remember anything in the credits. Yeah, like a title of some. Yeah. Uh, amazing costume work, if you can call it that. For It was just, like, the idea of using, like, symbols. It's... I'm sure that there's tons to read about it. I don't even know. I'm like not even educated enough to go on about it. I'd have to read some more. Um, I love the way that all the industries were broken down into planets and the way that they kind of like reveal them. Now, I don't know anything about the Zodiac when it comes down to it, but um, the way that they classified the industries or rather what he chose to classify each industry into a metaphorical character essentially i thought that was like brilliantly designed and also an insane amount of work the little vignettes for each one were all like separate sets and completely separate sets of costumes completely separate like i love that that is i've never seen a movie use like so many different completely separate um environments for like a moment so strange that's that was very refreshing and still to this day like i don't see a movie do that like even a james bond film doesn't change sets and locations so quickly it's just not it's it was an incredible and, and so actual temples too like right like was that tulum maybe or something like that yeah 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 it was when you could still go up there right because like there were times when like like now i think you can't climb the pyramids anymore um, or at least not all of them, some of them. Um, but um, I think that's one of the ones where you can't climb anymore. Um, I was shocked that they couldn't yeah. at the time. Even yeah. I was just like, wow, no, even they got the permission to do that? That's insane. Um, when I went to uh, Teotihuacan, because hmm. uh, I think I've mentioned like we would visit Mexico pretty frequently when I was a kid to go visit family. And uh, so we would go visit all of those places. And one time we went to Teotihuacan. I don't remember how old I was, maybe 12-ish. Younger, but not young, young. Um, and you could climb the pyramids. Like, you could, like, there was, like, a little, like, rope. Like, you could, it was, like, a like like the handle, but you could, like, walk up it. Okay. Um, wow. And then, like, you'd, like, look in, and then you could, like, walk back down and out. Like and it was like crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. But I have pictures and shit somewhere. Yeah, I'd love um, to see that. That's, that's crazy. I've never been anywhere like that before, so Amazing. Amazing. No, I mean now you can still go visit them, but like you now I think they just you it. can't yeah, you get you close can't. to it and there's like like better museums and shit like that now and like actual with like, you know, better presentations of shit, you know, or Yeah. Whatever, I've never been but... to a place like such as that to see something. Or any kind of, um, I haven't even really done like a castle, like in France once maybe. But so I've never been into like a living history, you know, kind of a situation. Oh, I uh, when I went to Europe, I went to a variety of castles in 
Austria, Austria, yeah. And then and then I was in in Prague, so of course that's just like weird castles and shit all over the place and all kinds of okay. crazy historical buildings. That shit's wild. Yeah, I went to Mont Saint Michel. Hi highly wrecked. That's the only one I know. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Well, I'll have to ask you about it. Oh, oh, so there was some, um, I want to play some clips. It's difficult uh -huh, uh, when uh -huh. I'm doing like screen share, I can't pull them up, but then it's like, you can't uh -huh. see it. And then I might as well uh -huh. just like, stick the audio in. But uh -huh. um, there is some, I mean, it goes without saying, if you've, uh, you should have already seen this film, if you're listening to us uh -huh. at this point, go ahead and watch it now. Uh, there is some stuff in this that, I was like blown away that like as a filmmaker, you have to have like tremendous trust from the people around you to make something like this. And I was just like, whatever this man has to say, clearly a lot of people believe in like what he's trying to accomplish. And that made me kind of like, it's almost by making this film, he's making the point that he's making at the end of the film. Like it's, like he's saying, like, be a leader. Don't be afraid to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, throw away. Don't worry about throwing away what you had to accomplish what you want in mm -hmm. the best sense of what that can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait till you see Dance of Reality too, because one because it, like once you start to read also into the like production of the films themselves, which I'm sure is the next step. If you haven't done that already, um, the production one of the production bits trivia bits for dance of reality the first bit of um so it is um his son who plays his grandfather and it's his grandson who plays himself okay as a young boy so brontis's son is like i don't know 10 years old uh -huh. 12 years old and he plays Alejandro Jodorowsky as a ten-year-old oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah. So Jodorowsky is appearing as a child. The his own son is appearing as his own father. Yeah. Right. So Bronti's actual Jodorowsky son is playing grandfather like it's fucked up right it's cool so they're all there yeah like I, get, little I, get lineage. I get the layers anyway yeah, yeah no sorry. that's no it took me a second that's uh fascinating i can't wait to see hold that. on i can't hold wait on. To one see more that. one more and so yeah uh he uh his 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 mother was from chile i want to say chile i think that's where they were and uh the father was a ukrainian jew who is fleeing some war or another i don't think i don't think it was quite yet world war ii though i don't think i, I maybe i it's explained in the dance of reality but he he comes to south america meets the lady uh and uh they get they they marry and they have Alejandro and that's the part of of the thing that we see, but Alej uh, the director Alejandro Jodorowsky returns to that childhood village that he had grown up in, films the movie there and casts all of those people as extras in the film, and they all remember him because he's by he's wow. he's made a name for himself by now right and so 
the end of the first part of the biopic is them leaving behind this little village in Chile and they move to uh, Buenos Aires, I think. They move to like a big capital. Um, and uh, somewhere in South America, again, I don't remember exactly where, but they go from this little village and they move to the big city. And so Jodorowsky returns to the little village and is like, hey, I'm going to film my life story. Where do you all want to be extras? And they did the whole, they did the whole fucking thing there. I love. So they didn't build sets. They he just went back. Um, that's like that's exactly what he's talking about at the end of his movie. This man is a genius. Oh, he's no. a genius. Like that's why like... I took this many pages of notes because, like, for me, like, I just I, at some point I would like us, like, as a project for this to like. Mm-hmm. watch that movie all the way through and just keep pausing it and talking about all these things and breaking it down because I don't know if there's any other way to do that and I think that this movie is a great example of us doing that for like a first time plus we can also recover from the guilt of losing the recording of earlier that'll make me feel better uh, <laughs> uh, no I think that I think that we should definitely do that this deserves that I have never been so struck by the specific dialogue in a film. There's a couple others I can think of, but this is, you know, of three, maybe. Um, Every line of dialogue, every word was so, like, extremely deliberate and clearly thought of way in advance of maybe even a film. Like, I feel like this existed almost like as a... I don't even know how you would... Well, I'm not an expert in filmmaking, so I don't know how you would, like, plan this ahead of time. Well, you're going to love because uh, there are parts, uh, not just in the Dune documentary where he talks about his process and they do talk about some of his other films, but you can also find like little clips of him all over the place, like on YouTube, probably and shit where he's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you, you know, he's being interviewed about this and tell us what it was make making the Holy Mountain. You can kind of hear him as as you can with most directors, right? Kind of hear it from the horse's mouth. He'll talk about it. So go, go. You're like I said. You're gonna go fucking explore his because this is what I did, right? The moment I saw the Holy Mountain, it changed my fucking life. I was like, I'm no, gonna I, watch this. I'm exploding. Five hundred thousand. I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah. I'm gonna watch. You know, uh, well, first the the movie, uh, what is it, the da- uh, dance of reality. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's the next thing. But then I'm gonna watch this the again biopic. and kind of reflect. Actually, watch it instead of pausing it and you know taking notes. This time mm-hmm, I'll just like take mm-hmm. it in. But um, this is, like, truly incredible. I actually found there was a few things that were, like, perfectly predictive of the future, and I made notes of all these things in kind of its own little section. Um, do you know exactly what year this movie was made? I uh, don't remember. 77, I'm a guess. Before, let's see. before modern video games, let's say. Because I think there's a lot Probably. of... Probably. There's a lot of something to be said here. Let's see. Um, uh, 73, even earlier. Their com- his commentary on um, selling things to protesters I thought was extremely motherfucking fascinating. Hilarious. And hilarious and makes me continue to think what I thought about protesting before. Um, and also, uh, I would like to look at uh, the connection to video games so there's the character that is uh saturn uh-huh Cell. and she uh, her cut she says my customers are children and she uh, runs the you know 
metaphorical toy factory where she produces basically all consumer goods, essentially. It's not just for children. There's other things they produce. But also, as an aside, um, they change the face, and you go from seeing the presentable one, where she begins as a clown in the streets, and they make her look like, I don't know, well, it's hard because it was the 70s, so who are they actually comparing her to? But she she becomes a businesswoman. And then you see the other side where a business that is run by essentially veteran soldiers, which I assume were, you know, standing in for like kind of the, the geriatric power class that exists. Um, they manufacture war toys, which is like, once again, obviously just a metaphor, but I think that as it continues, it shows that um, there is a computer that they have loaded, they specifically describe, they have created essentially an AI that will plan ahead of time future conflicts and provide instructions on how to prepare media for the consumption and preparation of future soldiers for those situations to be more acceptable or for, I assume, even in the metaphor, to condition volunteers or potential volunteers to feel like that is something they actually would like to do or to see, feel like they're actually volunteering instead of being essentially programmed to be conscripted. Gosh, that sounds like something they do in Russia. <laughs> it sounds like something they do in Indiana, actually. <laughs> No, um, I mean that's. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to complete the layup, Kathy. I didn't know how to complete the layup. I'm sorry. I didn't know the second part of that. It's so rare, so rare. In my country, no. Um, I've just been thinking a lot about coups. It's really fun. Too bad that they couldn't have one, but they tried. It's too bad. Great that- job. It's too bad. I mean, well, but I'm glad they failed, right? Because they were supposed to be assholes too. So I'm glad they both suck. And I'm I'm glad one is weaker. I'm glad the other one was eliminated. But I guess I can't wait till they both go away. I don't know how that shit works. I guess they all need to go away. I don't know what the... I don't mean go away. Like be made whatever. You know, whatever. I've lost my metaphor now. Where am I? (laughs) We were in the Holy Mount. Right. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was really trying I got lost to... about Russia. Oh, it wasn't your fault, I don't think. <laughs> no. Oh, now I know, now I know, now what you said makes sense. I don't know why you had to remind me and then it all clicked <laughs> in. Sorry, this is <laughs> vaping. Um, so <laughs> the one thing that I, I'll flip to the next page and I continue my notes, uh, the government is our client. So as she, they're selling toys and stuff, I'm going to make my connection mm-hmm. to video games here in a sec. Okay. As the government is technically the entertainment industry in this world, the entertainment industry and uh, the, let's say the interactive entertainment industry because they're creating war toys. I mean, the, the analog is there. They didn't know that war games and Fortnite and all this like shooting violence entertainment for children was going to exist in the way that it does now. But it was very predictable in the way that kids play with toys that, you know, imitate violence and stuff like that. They're that's that's, cla- that's classic comic filmmaking books. commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, Tarantino, like uh, had some of that in the start of was it Reservoir Dogs. Wasn't there like kids fighting with the uh, Pulp Fiction? It's Pulp Fiction. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, mm. but anyway, so the video game connection is really that if the gu- if if he directs that the manufacturing the industry that manufactures consumer goods to be consumed by children is programming them to accept the world around them, which is what he's saying. 
there's no doubt in my mind that you can absolutely extend that metaphor to video games today in this world. And okay. it's really fucked up, honestly. Because, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time. You know, I'm not just talking about the money that's spent. I'm really talking mm-hmm. about the damage that's being done. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why Fortnite has to have guns in it. They could make it all magic and horseshit or whatever they want it to be mm-hmm. the next day. But they keep guns in there for a reason. If they feel mm-hmm. like they lose their audience if they didn't have them, I'm telling them mm-hmm. they wouldn't lose anything. In fact, I think it would make the game more interesting. And mm-hmm. But they're there. And, yeah, it's not directly... Uh, you know, the government isn't their client, but they are a company that does prepare. In fact, uh, Ep- games, <laughs> Epic mm-hmm. Games, specifically in the mm-hmm. past, I believe they created America's Army. Hmm. America's the one Army for the was Army? The recruiting tool. It was the recruiting mm-hmm. tool in like the 2000, 2001. It was like post 9 mm-hmm. 11 kind of thing. Yeah. Well, because you, I mean, you even, I mean, that's the thing, right? The way that a uh, friend of the show, Danielle Lindemann, has kind of emphasized that these dating shows reinforce gender norms and heteronormative gender norms specifically right um yeah well that's that's why these video games also reinforce these uh kind of nationalistic jingoistic xenophobic white supremacist points of view it's why james bond is british and he's fighting the evil russians right or uh you know whatever like some uh, Italian businessman with loafers who owns a laser and Moonraker or some shit, yeah. right? Like I don't, whatever. It's all bullshit, right? An Italian but with a garage, the, yeah. but the, but but that's even what Jodorowsky is saying, right? They they may not come right out and say it, wink, right? But they are coding it as those characters, right? And and that's that's what we talk about stereotypes or like hate speech, right? Like you don't actually need to say the Jews. For me to interpret your political cartoon as being, you know, uh, you know, anti-Semitic because you drew a Jewish character, one that we understand to be the like, you know, quote. And again, I'm I'm, I'm using these quotes because I'm not saying I endorse this in any way. Right. It, it, the, the perception of the like goblin hook nose banker, evil demon. Right. Real exaggerated right wing shit. Right. You could create a character that's coded that way and never say the words the Jews, and yet the dog whistles are going off everywhere, right? Like, those are the hidden messages. We know they're there. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. It's hard to talk about because even describing it is like difficult. So you have to talk about what's not being said. The only way to say it is to talk about something people don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's honestly probably the dip most as we were talking about being an upstander before I think that that's mm-hmm. probably the most difficult part is knowing when the having the confidence to mm-hmm. do it in that moment and pick that moment this is the moment mm-hmm. maybe the other one wasn't but now it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I'm really thinking about that a lot I hope we got the segment where we were talking about um drag there mm. also by the way i think uh an, um, an hour and 47 minutes is actually when it paused that's when you might have said your name it might have literally oh. like, stopped recording like just before that whoa wild crazy because uh, <laughs> i wrote down the time um that's really funny that's right you did oh my gosh i forgot about that too yeah 
Wow. Hilarious, though. <sighs> I think that I, since we will cover this film at a future point, I am going to uh-huh. save those notes. But I will uh-huh. say this. I am tremendously moved by that film. I suggest everyone go and watch it if you haven't. It's worth your time. Uh-huh. Um, it's more than worth your time. And, I'm and plus, we'll be talking about it again. So not to give you all homework. Yeah, that's the but... thing. That's the thing. I... Uh-huh. The this show has a lot of different connections to a lot of different things, and this will be central to a lot of those different discussions. So it's worth if you're gonna get those things to go. This ahead and it's check like that out. No, literally gonna be foundational. It's funny because it's certainly been foundational to me, and and I, I again I think just my life philosophy, but part of my life philosophy is about like how I approach reality, right? Like I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying I understand it or have a grasp on it, but it's like, I don't know. I, I think we could all be doing better is the point. Whatever it is, I think we could all be doing better. Yes. And, and I just, I don't, I feel like part of this collective thing is also like owing it to my friends, and my loved ones to like try yes. to be better. Whatever the fuck that means. No. And I don't really know, yeah. but it, that's what it is. It feels like a personal mission that we should all keep to, like no matter what, you know? And I think that's like, how about this? Even us having this very discussion, is there anyone else out doing this right now? I was thinking about this earlier when we're recording, and I'm glad that he didn't say it in the potential, the part that got like not recorded. Um, Cause this is kind of like what I wanted to bring up about this entire thing. Like no one else out there is doing a podcast like this at all. There's just nothing that exists. And I know it's not just because like, you know, listenability or anything. I don't think that this exists. Like no one is actually willing to go. It's not that I shouldn't say that we're being brave. That's that's being selfish. It just simply doesn't exist. No one else is willing to expose the, the vulnerable. No, that's wrong too. Let me back up. Let me ask this question. Why do you think that this podcast doesn't exist with any other two people? Like, why does this not exist? This isn't a yeah, dude. This isn't anything like that. And there's no real, it's not a film podcast. It's isn't a news podcast. It's not about politics. It's not even really about our personal lives. It's only as much as it relates to the topics It's a podcast about nothing. I mean, it is. Even the podcast about everything, though, Even right? a, like, yeah, that's... dude is about goofy stories. This is, yeah, you're right. No, this, th- see, what this is, it, well, because essentially, I mean, I, we make jokes about this being a therapy session, but I feel like that's essentially what this is, right? Because what is a therapy session except you trying to cope with reality, right? That's it. Like, okay, let me give you an example, okay? I have a loved one who is going through a very difficult time at this moment, and because they are experiencing this difficult time, I am heartbroken that they will be unable to attend my wedding. Heartbroken. However, right? This is a circumstantial thing. They didn't do something. They didn't quote unquote do something that I could blame them for, right? Like if this person were to call me and be like, oh, I forgot to buy a ticket and now it's $500,000. I'd be like, yo, that was wild or responsible. And I'm going to be mad at you for a little bit, but I get it. Okay. Whatever. I don't care about that really fundamentally. Right. But in this particular instance, even right, I couldn't even blame them if i wanted to is what i'm saying right i couldn't even begin to project right um in this particular case circumstance has meant that like there's this kind of other problem she is dealing with so therefore 
having to take time away from that precious thing for this other precious thing, having to make that choice difficult, though it is completely understood, right? But nonetheless, I am heartbroken. And when I found this out, I was like getting ready for work. <laughs> and I show up at my at my workplace, like, and I'm supposed to be like ready for a meeting and to answer phone calls and jump on this and do that and task, 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 except my mind is like completely somewhere else. And so like, I knew, I knew fundamentally that I wasn't going to be able to work unless I like had an opportunity to process this new reality that was now confronting me. I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I was like, like, I was like, I was pissed, right? I was like all of these things. And of course not at her, but like at the circumstance of earth and the universe and all these things like mad and still mad about it but out of of my control wisdom to know the difference right but i sat there with the folks that i know and love at work and i like just i'm so mad like little tears coming out i can't can't and of course in that moment i'm not thinking about like now i have to rearrange the table settings and now i like i'm not thinking about any of that i'm thinking oh my god this person i love is going through this difficult time i can't be there with them and now i can't see them and like that's where like my heartache is and but i'm like all mad and i'm like but i'm venting and after that little therapy session uh friends and loved ones there at work kind of going yeah that really sucks like it totally makes sense for you to feel this way like do you need to go home should you need to go you know just take 10 just come back later uh, we if you want we can just take over this task for you like whatever like what do you need and i was like no i just need to work through it i'm just like mad right now i need like 20 like i need to like go for a jog or something and like work yeah. this out i just it's not a big deal i'm just mad but like that's what that is that's just us coping with reality and yeah. most of the time brian that is so like crazy intimate you know, kind of what we were talking about before we weren't we weren't equipped to do it before uh we weren't we weren't ready to do it before or whatever and now it's just like well i don't really I, I could talk about this at the bar at this point like i'm not at that point where this is like some big secret for me yeah. um th- like I'm happy to talk about any of this. It doesn't mean it's easy. You might see me cry or something if you really get too deep. I, I might say, hey, I'm actually not need to talk about that right now. Maybe maybe in like a little while or a few days from now, we can bring it back up, right? Like whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever really feel like any topic is really off topic mm-hmm. or off limits, right? At least not in the immediate. Like I've also always said like, like my students would say this to me all the time and they would be like, Miss, can I ask you a question? And that's just like a very normal kind of kid response. And I'd say, you can always ask me a question. Doesn't mean I can answer it. That's very and true. It was really, and it, it didn't mean that I didn't want to answer it. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I, I just may not know answer. the answer. Like they might know, like, what's the process for detention? I'm like, I don't fucking know. You're going to have to go ask someone else. <laughs> yeah, you're not man. Like, like school, not my Wikipedia. Department. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I might know the answer. <laughs> like you can ask me the question. If I don't know, I'll tell you what to do. Like I don't fucking know. Right. If you ask me, why does the sun shine? I'm like, I'm the math teacher. You're going to have to go talk to like the physics teacher. They're in 208. Get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> you know, like whatever, like. No. Anyway, uh, like, yeah. So, how how else do we cope by reality? Except as we keep saying, is we have to check in and say, "Hey, are you seeing this shit too?" Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to realize like how valuable that is, and it's really making me like, uh, if 
if I had any goal with this, it would just be to lead by example. I want someone else to do this. I want other people to do this. Well, th this is the thing. I even if you and I are doing this on the podcast, I'm going to say this. It's actually more beneficial if they're not doing this on the podcast. They, if, if, they, if they really want to believe in this thing that we're trying to proselytize, then they should just go the fuck out and do it. That's true. Go right now. Go ride the bus right now. Yeah. Get up, put your fucking shoes on and go. And, and and take out like 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 I, I think I mentioned this to you last week. I when I go running, when I go jogging, I don't use headphones. Not because I not just because I want to remain safe, but because isn't the point of being out in nature to hear the fucking birds? Isn't that why I'm there? Why the fuck am I going like yeah. like no that's stupid. Like Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely get that. I'm I'm yeah, that's that is the barrier. That's the beginning. I was talking about this last week with the VR headset. But yeah, that is the beginning of the barrier. I think as we move closer to people covering up their ears and eyes, and this isn't like in a technophobic way. I mean, it's just literally the way that technology is moving. As much as people like sunglasses, they'll like this shit. Like, it's just going to be the way. People like watches, and that would have been insane years ago. That people would have thought that was like going to give them cancer or something. Come back. Whatever. Like, it's... um. I'm I'm very glad that we do this, and I'm very glad that people listen. In fact, the numbers keep going up, which is interesting. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm always shocked. I don't shocked know why, because we, well, we, we don't promote it. No, we, we sure don't. We don't promote it. That means it must be word of mouth, which must be really cool. Someone must be like, hey, I heard this thing, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. Last week's episode cool. was our most yeah. downloaded one. So Really? No shit. In the first See, week, like you 19 people downloaded it um since monday wow that's cool yeah hey everyone <laughs> that last one they listened to that titanic episode which i thought thanks, was thanks. i listened back to it it was pretty good thanks for thanks for thanks for coming to our therapy session yeah but i guess on that note pull back camera no yeah yeah definitely <laughs> exactly well you know what i'm actually gonna do i feel kind of tired like i feel like i've had a rough week like just busy busy and so that we all also kinds just of had an insanely emotional discussion as it turns out really well there's I mean. also been a lot of crazy shit going on in the world too brian I, I, yeah. i'm not too happy with the state of the world but i never really have been just yeah. again hear the point right yeah the days um, i don't read the newspaper when i see the headlines and i don't even want to like mm, look to the mm, bottom mm, to mm, see mm, the mm, like mm, funny mm, stuff yeah mm, mm. But, you know, again, hear the story. Let's go touch grass, yeah. right? We have power. We have more power than we think we do to be upstanders. We do. Uh, than we, than, you know, better to be that than a bystander, you know? Um, keep, keep your people safe, whoever they are, right? Because I think that's the other one. I don't think all we really have is each other, right? That's it. That's all we got. It's our job to make sure that all the people around us are living like the best way that they possibly can. And that sounds extremely fucking stupid because that's such a basic statement to make, but it's like, it should be your personal mission to see through that all of your friends that you can positively influence on your own or, you know, without, you know, impeding on your own personal happiness or life or whatever you should. It is worth it to spend your time it is more worth it to spend your time with your friends talking to them or helping them figure something out or whatever 
than almost anything else you could be doing. Definitely your job. But I mean, obviously you have to pay the bills. But it is, that is the truth. If we didn't have jobs, that's basically the only thing that we should be doing is helping our friends out and trying to get along. That's what I want to return to. I want to, I want to return to the days where we didn't actually have jobs. We could just like, like, it's not that we had jobs, it's that we had skills. We had a craft, right? So I made boots and you made, you, you, you had a fucking chicken coop and you had eggs trade boots and eggs and it was i mean i know it seems insane but it's like I, I that's i think the only nostalgia that i feel like i'm trying to fight because of course that's impossible now but um there's a version i think there's a there's of, a version ahead of us that's yeah. a return to that somehow I it's gonna think... be like an evolution of that i think that's exciting so i i feel like i want to i want to hang on a lot longer i want to get there i want to oh, yeah. see it yeah i, I want to live as long as possible I want to see uh, what I know will happen with time, which is something I have. It's not hope for. It's something that I have done enough. If there's any point to all the obsessive research and reading all this bullshit that I do, it is to have a picture of what's going to happen in the future in my mind. And as it turns out, as negative and as cynical as I am, as much as a realist as I am, as much as a realist that shows in my mind some very dark things happening in our near future, I do believe that on the curve of about 40 30, 40 years that we will be in a potentially a place that could be like a turning point in history. But we're going to have to work really fucking hard before then and then at the end, what would be the towards the end of both of our lives um, to make anything matter. Um, we'll have to be living in a completely different economic world. And that's what I mean about time. That's the only thing that can change the material circumstances. That's the only thing. And I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I have a basic idea. I know what the, the material circumstances need to be to have the happiness that we would have. And getting there is clear. Like, it's attainable. It's just that uh, enough people have to be willing to do what's needed. To redacted the redacted. And, and, and more. And yeah, more. no, and, a lot and, more. And, and, a lot and, more. and change minds about what education is for that's like it's such a difficult task mm -hmm. on its own mm -hmm. but like in my mind a public school education should turn out a person who says holy shit all these people running like every industry is a fucked up insane thing because look at me mm -hmm. i'm just here in public school and what am i doing like working at mm -hmm. a job mm -hmm. that's enough that mm -hmm. should be enough that should be enough for every 17 mm -hmm. year old to be like oh fuck me yep uh, maybe it will be it's know. our job to do it, though, right? I, I mean, and that's I don't have well. Hmm. One of these days, we'll get to why education is under attack, Brian. Because boy, do I have a lot to say about it. I mean, again, I've been—I was a teacher for ten years, kind of trying to pioneer social justice work in my school district. I couldn't imagine teaching right now and trying to do. I mean, I could in my school district. LA Unified has an amazing union, right? But in other places like in florida oh my god if i were trying to do that work that i did in california out there brian i would be terrified for my job i wouldn't have one by now i would have been purged long ago right oh, yeah. like that's what's wild to think about too yeah no it would so i i think about those realities too right like in the sense that uh that's also part of why you need the group 
And this is what, like, this particular technology as far as Zoom or chat, the internet, or the Pony Express even has really managed to give us, which is that we're able to kind of hear these stories from everyone everywhere. And we can go, well, Florida may not be California, right? But California had Prop 187 what? Prop 187, once upon a time, back when Pete Wilson was governor, that was a very, very anti-immigrant, you know, uh, proposal. So how different is it really? I don't think any different at all, right? Like, it's really easy to say California and Florida, oh, they're so different. I don't think so. No, I, when, I, you really start, when you really start to, like, kind of look at it and really start to, like, look at things, that's that's where this conversation starts to happen, Brian, without a Californian and a Floridian going, wait, actually, this isn't all that different. I've experienced what's happening to you right now, except 15, 20 years ago. We go, that's reality. Yeah, because, okay, how about this? Uh, absolutely, within a, a like, it, it encapsulates everything. Every time that we speak, I feel like, even though you grew up in a completely different place in, in many ways, I mean, we're very similar in many ways, but like we've had similar experiences. But a lot of those things are just the products were similar. The circumstances were much different. And that's kind of ended us up in a similar space, which is we, we weren't like uh, we, we, we were self-selected technically. I guess we talked to each other. So that means we were self-selecting. But we, we've through vastly different. Oh, it's so California and Florida specifically is what I'm thinking of. What I oh. think of. Uh, sorry. I, I mean, like when I think of. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking of, of our experiences before, but like also geography. Yeah, like that didn't matter. The, the The circumstances were created so that when a suburb was gonna, uh, when a development, uh, when land was developed mm-hmm. for people to live in, under the circumstances mm-hmm. in that time, it created mm-hmm. what it did, and it created what it did mm-hmm. here too. It wasn't any different, really. It mm-hmm. was the same neuroses, the same paranoia that everyone had they were all the same it didn't change from state to state and that's really what creates the actual living conditions i mean people had this idea of what politics is but we know that that's basically just like role play as well well it's also why i i either in california or in new mexico actually can't say the words fuck florida because what y'all do is going to impact us no matter what right so like that's also this fault like that will that's well the thing is is that like the reason that people do that is because they keep thinking that florida is a thing unto itself or that california is a thing unto itself and it's again for sure it well that's that's the erosion of the collective, right? So how has an entire state, which is a plurality, suddenly turned into a singular thing, right? That is us doing that. That is us ignoring the fact that these are pluralities all the time. So no, there is no Florida. There is no California, you know, and there is no them and there is no I. We're all we're all kind of in it together regardless. Like, and that's why we're going to need to fucking either flip the bill- billionaires or them <laughs> yeah. to the ocean. <laughs> well, let them go on dangerous vacations as much as they want. Oh, I'm creating a whole dangerous vacations line. <laughs> <laughs> we should just call the company dangerous vacations at high prices. <laughs> yeah. They'll fly off the show. Yeah. You know, like that Tim and Eric one where he's <laughs> like, I've got your bargain prices right here. 
And then the next kit, which is like, well, we've got premium prices over here, you know? So I want to do that. Like, oh, you've heard of Ocean Gate. Well, we're, we're Ocean Gate Plus. I'm going to just, uh, that may be the title of the episode, Dangerous Vacations at High Prices. Um, I, I, but I, how much time do you, do you, are you willing to commit to the rest of this episode? Just so I have oh my gosh. Idea. Well, I am, getting, I am getting hungry, so I might want to go. But okay. we do have a lot to say. And I believe here is where I think we should do. Okay. I'm going to go eat lunch. Okay. We're going to call it a day. Okay. Well, we'll call it a day, and then I'll go eat lunch. Okay. Yeah, you should find a way to make sure you see Dance of Rehouse. Schedule okay. a bit today. No, I'll do it. I'll do I'm it probably right. actually going to, like, I, I feel kind of, like, tired a little still. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to lay in bed and watch The Holy Mountain. Okay. And I'm going to just sit there and enjoy the delightfulness of the story one more time, a hundred times, kind of also reflecting on all of these things you and I have just spoken about. Yeah. Um, and for everyone that missed, which is everyone at home, who missed uh, all that stuff that was cut out, imagine that we had the best discussion ever, and you just missed a little bit, but it's fine. Don't worry. Sorry you weren't there, but, you know, it happened. We I don't even know what we're missing exactly yet. I don't either. Whatever. We'll I'm kind of just going to slap the two ends together, make sure your name's on in there, and I'm going to put the music on both sides and the little voiceover, and that's it. That's, that's, that'll be the answer. Yeah, um, I w- I, and, and intersperse your, the clips of, 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 uh, of the film as I yeah, think you deem I'm gonna, appropriate. I'm going to try to um, get some, like, there's four scenes or so basically every time that i get really confused i'm just gonna like, throw a clip of the the scene that i'm trying to describe in there um i got really excited so, because it's a film yeah. that i want to watch and talk about at length and the fact that basically i know that there's you know another you know few novels of content from this creator also very exciting so it's an overwhelming time yeah and everyone at home just you have to keep listening to the podcast because I've said about 5% of, we've said 5% of what we have to say about whatever the hell it is we're talking about. <laughs> Jodorowsky forever. Well, in our weird slice of life that we can't decide exactly what to call it. Just whatever this podcast is. All I know, you, you at home, the ultimate thing that you could <laughs> ever do, is there's no way to pay us. Although, but really, I want you to make a podcast just like this. Well, no. I mean, you know, yeah, just your version your of this. Your version yeah. of this. I want you to do that. And then, um, you know, just do it. Find your friend who you can do this with and do that. If you can do that, then we don't even really have to do anything at all. Then we've done our job by just having a little therapy session between the two of us. So no, that? it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, saving us so much money. Yeah. My insurance. Man, oh, my God. So There's great. no way. Also, I, no, one's, no one's qualified to talk to me, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't I know it? I mean, don't I know it? <laughs> no, I know what you really meant, but still, that was very funny. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we have to go now. That was too good. All right, I'm going to eat lunch. Okay, All bye. Right, bye, Kathy. <laughs>
human than ever. If we have not obtained immortality, at least we have obtained reality. We began in a fairy tale, and we came to life. But is this life reality? No. It is a film. Zumba camera. We are images, dreams, photographs. We must not stay here, prisoners. We shall break the illusion. This is Maya. Goodbye to the holy mountain. Real life awaits us. Music fading in. As our journey through the mysterious labyrinth of the holy mountain draws to a close, I'm reminded of the endless capacity for growth and understanding within each of us. Through this cinematic exploration, we've unpacked the profound questions of reality and projection, bystander and upstander. We've delved into the murkiness of human desires and the liberation that can be found when we have the courage to strive for transcendence. In the masquerade of our existence, we've considered how drag extends far beyond the stage, reaching into our day-to-day, -day, how each of us adorns a costume that the world around perceives as the real us. Through this understanding, we have grappled with the concept of executive realness. Perhaps it has sparked a revelation within you, a recognition that you too wear a mask tailored by expectations and societal norms. With this thought, I implore you to ponder. Think about why you listen while you join us on this journey every week. We've turned the lens back on you, dear listener, not in judgment, but in camaraderie and a shared pursuit of enlightenment. Today's episode may have been laden with more emotion than humor, perhaps reflecting a bit of the heartache we felt when the SD card reminded us of its limitations. Yet, we persevered, we overcame, and here we are at the end of this part of our shared journey. This may be the end of episode 57, but the dialogue, the exploration, the unending quest for understanding. Those dear listeners continue on. We'll be back next week, opening new doors, tackling new themes, striving to escape the confines of our understanding, just as we encourage you to do. So, until we meet again, keep questioning, keep exploring, and above all, keep embracing the wonder of the journey. Music swelling. And remember, it's not just about saving the world. It's about having the wisdom to use the power of the Chaos Emeralds to shape a future filled with hope. Until next time, this is Obama signing off. Music fades out.